0: Welcome to First Time Through,
1: New Eyes on Castle Rock,
0: with Kim Payne
1: and Otto Mullins. Welcome to First Time Through, New Eyes on Castle Rock. I'm your host, Otto Mullins.
0: And I'm Kim Payne.
1: And we are diving into the second half of The Gunslinger today, written by our main man, Stephen King himself. Um, the gunslinger is the first in the dark tower series also we can just start this episode off by saying it's number one in my five books that I've ever read by Stephen King it's amazing I love it so much it was fantastic Uh, there's some things that I don't like about it of course but I mean I'm a negative person everything I will find something I don't like about everything in my life so the fact that there's so few things I don't like about this were very telling and really good it made me really I immediately picked up the original version and started rereading the prophecies and that to see like if they were different or not mm-hmm. they're exactly the same
0: right so you see what i mean now mm-hmm. when i said that there really wasn't significant story difference it was just richer more... it was better told yeah yeah, like, yeah. even like it was, it was the... more mature
1: and also like you know he went through and he added some of his signature chapter breaks mm-hmm. into the new version whereas in the other version you know it's just a traditional you know space right and so in this one it really set aside like time jump Yes. And I think that's something that you know with Steve's chapter breaks we're really starting to like pick up is like it's a geez inch time chunk usually.
0: Yeah. And um, and I know that Misery was a little hard for you because of the the but the um uh, abruptness like if I w- of those went back
1: into it now like and also like now that we've talked about it in the way that it was portraying Paul's mind, you know, it helps put that into perspective mm-hmm. a little bit more. And also, you know, now that you've pointed that out, it's something that I can Going forward, I'm going to use it to see like how Steve might be using that to like tell me something. And in this one, I don't think it is him. I don't think it is. I think he's not really. He's just trying to tell his cool story that he's really excited about. Yes. Um. But uh. Yeah. Um. Okay. I just figured. I'm gonna do uh, we can do the recap we should do the recap as fast as possible this time. So we get so right too. into like analyzing this.
0: Do you want me to do the recap? Uh, <laughs> I can do it. I okay. think I got you it. You got it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, so we sometimes have, we get chatty. Yeah, right. So we have
1: three <laughs> chapters left the Oracle and the Mountains, the Slow Mutants, and the Gunslinger and the Black Man. So in the Oracle in the Mountains, the Jake and the Gunslinger start to climb up the mountains as they do. Jake overnight gets drawn in by some kind of fairy fae, you know, universal what did you say? A succubus A succubus, it it says succubus but it doesn't like manifest in a way that I know of a traditional succubus, so it's just a very, if it is a succubus, it's a very weird version of a succubus Um, and you know, Roland goes and saves him from that and then he's like Oh man, this uh, this succubus can tell me some truth, some prophecy. I need to go talk to it. So he takes some mescaline, which is amazing. I was not expecting Roland to just be like, I got this pill of mescaline. I'm just gonna start. And then I was really thinking, like, huh, oh, 19 year old Stephen King in his first year of college. Like, of course he's trying mescaline and doing different <laughs> things. So he takes this mescaline. He goes off to talk to the succubus, and the succubus gives him a prophecy. And then the pro- at the end, she's like, Ah, oh, I just I have to have sex with you. You're I am the universe, and you are you're the number one. And he's like, All right, if you do what you got to do then um and it's just you know it's more of the sexual fantasies of a 19 year old which just you know it doesn't make for amazing storytelling by any means but it really it just tickled me it made me so happy like you know this 19 year old kid is definitely just sitting in his dorm room having a good time writing this story um so the gunslinger comes back and he talks to jake uh and they pretty much uh decide that they're going to keep going um and the I don't want to get too much in the prophecy parts mm-hmm. of it, but essentially she tells him like, Hey, you got two options. You're going to go forward and you're going to kill Jake or you can turn back and save him. And the gunslinger's like, well, I'm not turning back. And so he goes forward. I'm on a quest, man. Yeah, he's like, I got stuff to accomplish. I just don't know what those things are, and no one does yet. So they start climbing up the mountains, and it's pretty treacherous. They get up to the top of the mountain, and who's there? Im- but none other than Randy Flagg himself. And you're going to be like, Otto, at the end of this, you're going to be like, Otto, don't you see? It's not Randy Flag. It is Randy Flagg. It's an extension of Randy Flag. It's just an emissary of Randy Flagg. That's the reason why he turned into Bones at the end.
0: I told you. I, I totally agree that it is a Mani- manifestation of That's Randy.
1: Randy. That is Randy. I I, I absolutely There's agree no, with that. I, it's just also like if Randy, if the gunslinger is touched by God in the same way that like Randy says he is towards the end. Okay, hold on. We'll get into this later. We've yeah, got to do the recap. Nope, nope, okay, recap. so they Focus. get to the top. Who's there? But none other than Randy Flagg himself. And it's the first time we get to hear him talk. Susan. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> You do get, you get the little bit of Susan here and we start to learn a little bit more about Reap Night. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I can only assume that they're talking about. Um, They get up to the top. Randy's there and Randy says, come along. Uh, You know, there's only one way that this can end now. And there's, you know, only the two of us are going to talk. And uh, Jake pretty much at that point, he's like, I knew it. You're going to kill me. And And Gunslinger is just like, yep. Welcome to reality, kid. And then that's the end of that chapter. Uh, And they go after the dark man because he goes into this like little cave. So into the next one, the slow mutants, they go down into the cave and they're following after the dark man. And, uh, you know, everything just seems too coincidental. They end up finding a hand cart and the hand cart, they start pumping it and they're going through. And it it seems like it takes them like almost two weeks to get through this. it, It is a
0: long time. It's
1: a big tunnel. And um, throughout it, there nothing really happens until they're very almost close to the end. And uh, after this, we've had a bunch of flashbacks where we've learned how Roland became a gunslinger, which was a really 10 out of 10 story right there. Very cool. The Hawk. Mm-hmm. And I think it really just like it's like we were talking about earlier, you know, when you show those flashbacks of Roland uh, doing terrible things. It makes it a lot easier for you to stomach him doing terrible things in the future. Right. So at 14 year old, when Roland sacrifices his friend Hawk, you know, you're like, okay, that's just the metal of this man. And then, like, you know, I I
0: think it does a really good job of portraying how single minded he is you know when he makes a decision that something needs to be done every everybody everybody and everything else be damned the moment that's what he's got i need to to
1: kill martin was the moment that he was like all right cool we're gonna go and Mm -hmm. i'm gonna just make sure that this is done right you know it you there's even that uh moment where it seems like he might even kill hacks or not hacks um Hex is already dead, for sure, court, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, he doesn't. Like, and it's so good, I really loved that. I also just really enjoyed how it was written. It was really well done, and it's a good action sequence. And I just enjoy the way that Roland thinks, Yes, you know? And it's interesting because in the same way that Roland will take advantage and, like, sacrifice David, he's also spent the last six years treating it better than anyone's ever treated a hawk before. Right. So, So, making
0: friends with him and and having a bond, and exactly, yep. So So. we get
1: that flashback, and then we come back into the real world, and they're pushing down the handcart, and then they get attacked by this group of slow mutants. Slow mutants. We learn, uh, we don't learn anything about them in particular, but we do learn that they are, this. Pretty much, it seems like they're underground people. That yeah, they're stuck they're cave underground. Dwellers, and they've yeah. been there for so long now that they've mutated, and they've they've grow. They've started to glow. Mm-hmm. You know, so they have glowing eyes and such, and some of them have tentacles. And they none of them all look the same. They're all like very different esque. Um, and we know too um, that they're not just here; they're also in Gilead. They're everywhere. So like, slow mutants aren't specific aren't unique to this to location. This location. Right. So I feel like that's pretty much we're going to see them pretty often, probably. Or at least again. I imagine Or a
0: variation of them.
1: Eventually, I'm going to call it right now. We're going to see a sympathetic slow mutant. Maybe it's one that Roland already knew, and he's going to be able to talk, and they're going to become friends. I'm calling it right now. Mm-hmm. Also, right now, before we get any further, I want you to know my official theory is that Roland is stuck in a time loop until he finishes and does something correctly. That is my official theory right now. He hasn't done the thing correctly. He keeps messing it up. He gets to the Dark Tower, and then the, the, the Red King or God or whoever's in the room says... You didn't do it this time again, Roland. Come on. You got to get this. You never get it right. And then he sends him back to the desert, and we start the gunslinger over again until he gets it right. That's my official theory right now. Um, And uh, so we get into the soul. We're still in the slum (laughs) units. Maybe you should have done the recap. So we're in Slow Mutants. They get out. Told they you. They escape from the Slow Mutants. And then they get to this uh, big chasm. And the only way that they can cross it is by getting off of the handcart and going along the tracks. Um, um, and across stepping the bridge, in, right. On, on each individual tie and trustle. Um, and it is just a steep, giant drop down. Um, And they're walking across it, and they're almost at the end. And And you can hear
0: the water at the bottom. The water
1: at the bottom. You're constantly hearing all this steel crack and everything. And then who's on the other side? But Mr. Randy himself. So Randy's standing on the other side, and he's like, hey, guys, what's up? And at the same time, a tie breaks underneath Jake, and Jake falls, and he grabs it. And Randy pretty much says, you can let the boy die, or you can chase me. Which one are you going to do? And he starts to run away. And Roland looks back, or Roland isn't even, like, uh, in front of him. He is behind Jake. So Roland looks down at Jake and then steps over him and then walks on. And Jake just says, don't worry, there's more worlds than this one. So Jake's for sure coming back in a different world. Um, Also, I really like that betrayal by Roland. He's gonna regret that so much because the black man's gonna go find him. He's gonna bring him back to life, and then the only thing Jake's gonna want to do is get revenge on Roland for abandoning him and destroying and like leaving him like that. He's like bad choice, Roland. These
0: are theories.
1: Bad. Cho- <laughs> These are theories. Um, and he leaves him behind and continues after the man in black, and that's the end of that chapter um so then we go into the gunslinger and the man in black and it's amazing it's incredible 10 out of 10 chapter um and essentially it's just them talking and he sets up the rest of the series mm-hmm. and he says all right good luck enjoy your seven book series auto and uh that's the end of it and i i that seems like blasé but they sit down they talk and he pretty much says i'm not the man you're looking for the man you're looking for is in the tower here's how to get to the tower and he flips over nine tarot cards and you know the first two tarot cards to correspond directly to the first book. So there's six more apps, seven more after that, six books. I can only imagine that those tarot cards respond in specifically to each book somehow. Um, so I know like you know and then the drawing of the three is the title of the next book. so mm-hmm. like you know we're gonna see how that comes in there. Um, and essentially,
0: what do you bet our schedule changes so that we can read more of these books?
1: The schedule isn't gonna change. I prom- I really I really have to stick to like I really want to stick to not reading them all right away. I want to, like, go through them slowly. I also, because I really want to, like, take the time to dissect this and get my guesses right.
2: Because mm-hmm. you
1: know how cool I'm going to feel if I get any of these guesses right? Yeah. I'm going to feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. Will I get any of them right? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But I want to try. Um, and that's our recap for this half of the book. We did it in 15 minutes. I think that's a record, honestly. <laughs> um, so Way to
0: stay focused. Yeah, right?
1: Let's take a second. Um... And uh, we'll come back and talk some analysis,
0: yeah. Hey, constant listeners. As you all know, there are so many novels for us to get through, and we will it will take us years to get through all of them,
2: which
1: is
0: a good thing. It's great there are also a lot of really great short stories out there. So what we're going to do is have some side episodes that are going to be mini We're going to have some guest readers come on, read the short stories. Um, some episodes may be one short story, some maybe two or three, but we're going to do the short stories separate from our main novels. Join us starting on March 15th for the first episode of that. We're going to read uh, the End of the Whole Mess from Nightmares and Dreamscapes. And my husband is going to be our guest reader. So um, it'll be fun to do something a little different.
1: And we're hoping that anyone that we have to come in through here, so maybe it won't be their first time. Maybe they've read this story before, but it'll be a new perspective. So make sure to start checking us out every other Monday, starting on March 15th, for a special mini of a short story selected by Kim to be read with her friends and family. Hey, Constant listeners, I just wanted to let you know that on April 29th, we're going to be doing an exclusive special episode covering a book called The Bridge, the first of the Mind Bridge trilogy by local incredible author Joe Leaguers. We're really lucky enough to be getting pre-release copies, so our episode will be coming out a week after the official release of the book, so you have enough time to read it yourself. I highly recommend you check out this book on Barnes & Noble or Amazon by searching Joe Leegers, J-O-E, space, J-O-E, I spelled that right, yeah, J-O-E space L-U-E-G-E-R-S. It's a little bit complicated, but it's worth learning how to spell it, because it's going to be remembered. This is going to be our first young adult book by a different author, so we're going to be inviting Darwee Sanlaven, uh, who is a big youth and young adult fiction reader, So we're going to have a third uh, set of eyes on going through these young adult books. So that way we have another perspective. I feel like we're a little, uh, we might be a little too scarred from the Stephen King stuff that we've been reading exclusively. So we'll see. And you
0: may get tired of hearing our voices.
1: Yeah. She has a much better voice than both of us.
0: She's trained.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Classically. Um, So make sure to check us out on April 29th for an exclusive episode covering the bridge of the Mind Bridge trilogy by Joe Leaguers.
0: So, um, I'm super excited because we're going to try something new, brand new book later just came out on March 2nd. And so I've never read it either. So we're going to get my first time through experience as well as Otto's.
1: I think I'm actually ahead of her in this one too. I'm like 20 pages ahead of her. (laughs) So I know more, um, March 18th. 18th, yep. Uh, So join us on March 18th for an exclusive first time through for both of us where I will actually get to enjoy Kim's first time through later by Stephen King. Have you ever had your wife die and then you were a preacher and then you were wondering how can I bring my wife back to life? Because I'm sure that you have. It's a very specific situation that we've all dealt with. So join us March 25th where we start the revival by Stephen King.
0: I think it's just Revival
1: Oh Well join us on the 25th Where we start Revival by Stephen King A story I know That one sentence about Back, first time through analysis. I don't know. Like normally, it's like half an hour into the episode, and I feel like we gotta like remind everyone that they're still listening to us. Yeah, but, but uh, no, this time we, we were quick. This time, oh. we can just get right get into focused. talking about uh, <laughs> the Oracle and the Mountains, mm-hmm. chapter three. You know, it's only a five chapter book. It's basically a kids book. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a little more than a kid's book. Barely. But, you know,
0: it's kind of a grown-up kid's book.
1: (laughs) it's a grown-up kid's book. That's the perfect way to describe it. Because there are
0: some uh, um, uh, adult content.
1: uh, Yeah, there's a little bit a little bit the mescaline the sex you know there's some stuff that the, the, like, you know
0: the shooting yeah the, the killing the whole time oh that's some that kind of some adult content
1: you know i'm so desensitized to violence in my like lifetime that like <laughs> that didn't bother me at all it was more the drugs and sex that i was like gotta protect the kids from that um wow well, welcome to the modern world okay the oracle in the mountains first sentence the boy found the oracle and almost destroyed him which is really telling because we just ended that last section in the last uh episode on the sentence and the boy jake became a sacrifice and the boy jake the sacrifice Mm -hmm. you know something along those lines so right we knew we ended that last chapter with oh no jake's in trouble to "Uh uh-oh jake almost got got is Mm -hmm. this the thing that he was going to get got by (laughs) and so now this entire time you just have this feeling of like
0: is this the one that's going to get him is
1: jake about to get got is this
0: the one that's going to get him?
1: Yeah um so they get to uh the, basically they've come out of the desert and they're now in the forest it's almost yeah, in, like it's in the like,
0: foothills of the mountain yeah, and yeah. you know it's starting to be cooler there's more food there's they've got rabbits they've got rabbits stuff. they've got firewood they've got water
2: um
1: one really important thing that like to note here is it Continues to show us how good Roland is with his guns. Mm-hmm. So, before Jake can even like cry, uh, like scream or like go, oh my God, uh, Roland like pulls out a gun, shoots a rabbit, and puts his gun away. So, his lightning fast like reflexes and his ability to aim are literally unbeatable. Right. Like, yeah.
0: His training is, is. Which is
1: important because later on he takes some shots at the Dark Man and he misses all of them. Mm-hmm. So, for me, that told me that the Dark Man wasn't actually there. That it was like that a it was manifestation, a, mm-hmm. like a thing. So it's like, because
0: rolling, rolling ain't missing. Wait, I'm not buying that.
1: I, I've, I've read enough of this book. I've read enough of this series already to know that he's not missing. He's shooting these mutants in the dark, and you're telling me he's going to miss three gunshots in the middle of a mountain in the middle of the day? Nah. I I, I, I don't buy I it. I don't buy it. Um, So uh, they sit there and they talk, and Jake's starting to get this uh, sense of, you're gonna kill me anyways, so mm-hmm. whatever. I don't care. Which I mean, that makes sense. Um, I mean,
0: Jake is perceptive.
1: Yeah, no, he's. I like... mean,
0: he's he's young, but he is very cognizant of what's going on well, around Roland him. Roland says
1: that he might have been like have the touch. Mm-hmm. So I imagine in this world the touch is some kind of like divination sense or like the ability to like read the ka of the world or like something like that.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, I agree.
1: So it's only a matter of time until we figure out exactly what that is and then we find out Jake had been touched and then by the time that Randy brings Jake back to life Roland is going to regret it. i it's sad. Um so then the second section, we get into a little uh, uh, flashback vignette of uh, Susan dying mm-hmm. on Reap Night, it seems. It was... Uh, it, it It seems like it's a very wild uh, day. It really seems like this is the night that there was the uh, uprising and, like, the nobles got got. You know, like, you know, in France, they ate the rich. So it's like, here's the... Here's your revolution. Uh, And we know that, like, he says later on that there was a revolution. Um, I think, though, it's interesting, too, that, you know, again, there's a a ragtime version of Hey Jude playing. Mm -hmm. So that pianist, Sheb, was obviously in Gilead in these moments playing Hey Jude, you know, because. And
0: On down the road. Yeah.
1: um, And Careless Lover. Um, Oh, no, that's what Susan's saying to him. So that's interesting because if Susan saying all that to him and then Sheb's still out there playing and maybe Sheb's like Susan's dad or something, we'll find out. I really like, I've been thinking that Sheb might be Cuthbert lately. Not till the fourth book. Until um, the fourth book? I don't find out nothing about Sheb until the fourth book. Why did you point out so much emphasis on him? <laughs> I, I, I'm really thinking he might be Cuthbert if I had to like guess right now, but, uh, or Jake, mm? I don't know. We'll find out. Um. It would've been wild if that emissary was Jake. Anyways, um, we come back from that, and they were—that uh, uh, was when Gunslinger Roland was asleep. He wakes up, and Jake's gone. Mm-hmm. So he runs off after him, and uh, Jake's been sleepwalking, and he comes onto him in the middle of this. Uh, it's it when he describes it, it sounds like stonehenge almost you know it's a bit it's a big uh
0: like a circular, circular clearing, with... clearing
1: with lots of rocks around it right and, like specific settings and specific ways that they're laid down and stuff. right
0: not just like a natural clearing and yeah the... right
1: um stone circle i think mm-hmm. yeah yeah and uh jake is in the middle of it collapsed and just like screaming in agony and Roland runs up to him, and he starts to immediately feel like uh, this hot, fiery presence in his loins, and he immediately knows that it's a succubus. He runs up and he gets Jake, and this is the first time that he takes the jawbone. Uh, no, it's not. Is it the first time he takes the jawbone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's he the takes the, first time the he jawbone takes it out, yeah. out of his pocket, and then he does like the the hang ten symbol, like a surfer does. Right. And he, uh, or no, it's I Love You. It's like, it's It's I Love You. Yeah. Uh, Or it's like a rock concert, you know, whichever (laughs) one you want. He puts up his uh, pinky and his first finger and like little horns. Like, uh, yeah, if you like the Texan longhorns, it's the longhorn symbol, you know, it's a lot of things. Um, And then he puts the jawbone out and the succubus starts to get weak. Um, And so he pretty much snags uh, Jake and they run back to camp. And he's like, what was that? And he's like, it was a succubus. Like, I got to go back and talk to it because he knows that the succubus can speak truth. Mm-hmm. You know, the dead, the truth comes from the dead. Right. Um, and I don't think that this... And a, and
0: a succubus is not technically dead, but they're also not technically alive. Right. They're, they're a, a spiritual presence. But he knows that he'll be able to get information that he needs or that he feels like he needs.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, he knows that to do that he has to like unlock more of his mind so yes. he can connect more with the universe so he gets back to camp he sets jacob with the jawbone and he tells him if anything happens hold on to this and protect yourself unbeknownst to him it's the jawbone of randy flag and he just doesn't know that yet and I'm telling you, I, I'm positive that that jawbone, since he went and so specifically picked it up at the end, Roland's going to end up in the future at some point putting that jawbone inside of a way station because he's going to be like, I need to do this for myself later or, or, or earlier.
0: <laughs> Note to self. <laughs> Note to self.
1: Put bone in for myself in the first book. That's what Roland's thinking. Um So he gives the job on Jake, and then he sits down in his little packet in his tobacco, and he digs through it, and he takes out this little piece of paper, and he's like, got to make sure I take my mescaline. And uh, mescaline, if you are unaware, is a very powerful um, hallucinogenic drug. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a natural drug um, that you can find in the deserts from when cactuses have been rained on, and then that... Uh, water has been secreted and then they leave uh, and it's been evaporated. And it's that, like it's some of that stuff that's left behind. Right. 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 Um, And they take it and they will crush it up and they'll put it into a little pill form. And then that's what he's talking about here. And, and,
0: and, and, you know, hallucinogenics have widely been uh, used and and especially when in the 60s when he was writing this it was there was a lot of research going on well, about and he was hallucinogens a freshman in college. and he was a freshman in college yeah. so you know he probably was. he was de- tried he it a definitely, couple times he, um well, and
1: then you know like this book like too like we're reading it all as one collective piece but like in reality these five chapters were all written two or three years apart each so well, maybe not two or three I, mean, I don't years know there was that far apart published but, that like far
0: published apart. over So I imagine, though, in that
1: same concept, they probably weren't all written, like, right in, like, that one night in the library. Right. So I imagine, you know, there's probably a couple of months of writing, and then he, like, went to a party, and he tried mescaline, and he's like, Roland has to do some mescaline, bro. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I just think, like, um, psychotherapy is something that – or psychosylamin therapy is something that is just now happening in 2020, 2021. Happening again. Well, happening again. And it seems that it's happening less for what could happen. Like, well, we should just shove all these drugs into people and find out. And it's more for, like, specifically, if I give you 0.02 milligrams of psilocybin, your brain's going to release this much serotonin, and you're going to be able to have this much of an existential thought and work on yourself.
0: And, and I feel like that it's much more of, like, it's much more controlled research now instead of just...
1: Controlled for the benefit of a regular person, whereas yes. in the 60s and 70s, you know, MK ultra that's not for the benefit of a regular person. No. That's for the benefit of the government. So it's very controlled and fastidious in the way that they need to make sure that they know what acid does to the human brain. Right. But it's not because they care about the subjects, whereas now we have the same it's, kind of psychotherapy.
0: Right. But it's much more scientific now. Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, anyways, so enrollment takes some mescaline. digress. Um, <laughs> And, We're uh, bad at that. The main reason I just really wanted to get into that is just because it's like it's stronger, though, than sh- mushrooms or acid yeah. or, or even it, it's on the same level as like peyote.
0: Right. You know, it's it, that right. kind and, of
1: drug that. Like, and I
0: think it's important for us to establish that he is. Not fully in control of his mind, because it breaks down some barriers. and and we you know, we've talked about over and over how stoic and how controlled Roland is. Mm-hmm. And this really puts him in a state where he is in significantly less control of everything. He's his more, thoughts and emotions. it's more
1: instinctual and emotional. right yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much like what that kind of drug does to you mm-hmm. too. So, you know he's in that like very, frazzled state of just trying to like comprehend what's happening around him right um so he takes this mescaline and then he returns back to this the cave or he returns back to the stone circle and um oh i'm headed an accident and uh he goes to talk to the succubus the succubus is you know <laughs> it's funny because it's In the same novel, it really feels like Stephen King just really wanted, like, these women to, like, come on to him so badly. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's also a succubus, and, like, Mm -hmm. it's literally the point of it is to, like, you know, steal your sexual energy. And uh, he... Goes to talk to him. And I think it's like you were talking about this one section that he says, the drug had often disturbed him. His ego was too strong or perhaps too simple to enjoy being eclipsed and peeled back, made a target for more sensitive emotions. They tickled at him like the touch of a cat's whiskers. But this time he felt fairly calm. That was good. So
0: he was in the right frame of mind for it.
1: He's taken. Yeah, exactly. He's taken it before and it's been terrible. Um, and you know, someone who isn't me has told me that like any kind that you do these kind of things, they just amplify what you're feeling in that moment. So if he would have been anxious and scared and upset and nervous, he would have have just been 10 times more anxious and scared.
0: Right. He was in, he was in a right frame of mind for channeling the awareness that he needed.
1: Um, And he goes to talk to, uh, he starts calling it the Oracle now that he's on Mescaline, which I think is an interesting swap in his head. Mm -hmm. You know, that he has opened up his mind to the point where it's not just something trying to hurt me. I can get stuff out of it now, too.
0: Exactly. Um, What? You know, yes, I'm going to have to give give this being something but what am i going to get in return i'm going to i'm definitely going to get something in return it's not going to be one-sided
1: and uh he goes up to the stone and it's as you'd expect the succubus pretty much is like i've got an itch that i can't itch and i need you gunslinger i need you and he's like after if you tell me what i need to know uh and she's like no now and he's like no Give me prophecy. Give me truth. And she's like, sleep then. And he's like, no, I'm not going to go to sleep with you around me. Like, that seems like a terrible plan. Right? I mean,
0: hello. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So she says half sleep. And to me, that was like his meditative state, you know, like that calm Zen moment where you just kind of zone out and you forget about the world that you're around. So he goes into his half sleep and uh, we get this prophecy here. And uh, three is the number of your fate. You know, I mean. We know the next book is called The Drawing of the Three, Mm -hmm. so that helps. Uh, Yes, three is mystic. Three stands at the heart of your quest. Another number comes later. Now the number is three. So I bet you that number seven afterwards, just because there's seven books. That's my guess. Um, The first uh, we see in part, and thus is the mirror of prophecy darkened. I think that that means that this succubus can only see the opening part mm-hmm. because the middle part is going to depend on how Roland, what Roland does in the opening part I, and yes. I think that's kind of the thing about his time loop that he's stuck in is that it's super super malleable and super flexible and if he does ever do the right things maybe and I'm, I don't know if he's stuck in this time loop from when he's a kid or if it's from when he's now and I, I might not he might not even be kind of stuck in a time loop and I might be like way off um, I think that he's always been able to control and change it. He's just never able to change it in the right way.
0: Like Groundhog Day.
1: Yeah. And he doesn't remember it though either. Like I think that's probably got to be like the thing about this one that makes it so different. Um, this is in The first is young, dark haired. He stands on the brink of robbery and murder. A demon has infested him. The name of the demon is heroin. Loved this bit because it was something that directly the reader knows exactly what that is. Heroin right. is, you know, it's heroin is you know, it's heroin. So, the fact that Roland doesn't know what that is, is interesting that there's like some drugs that like crossover, like uh, alcohol and uh, mescaline, those crossover, but LSD and uh, heroin don't cross over.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about, and, and we will get more and more into this, the, the, the places where the world's touch, where the, the thin spots are and the things that cross over and the music that crosses over and, and, and the words that cross over. But this is one of those things that, you know, Roland doesn't understand what what heroin is yeah
1: Um, I think it's also interesting too he stands on the brink of robbery and murder the demon is heroin which makes me think that this world that he's in doesn't have heroin so there's probably not like a a thing a demon that could be in this uh, you know I don't don't know what to call it really like I think they've been calling it like Mm mid-world like he's in in mid-world but I don't think that like mid-world is the name of this entire like world like Kant like universe. I just think Midworld is the name on this part of it's the like, earth. It's like where they at. And then like, you know, Gilead was in High World. So for me of differentiating those worlds in that sentence is that it tells me Roland's going to meet this guy, mm-hmm. this dark-haired kid, a uh, uh, person who's addicted to heroin. He's probably either going to die and come to this world because of the dark man or Roland is going to in the next section find one of these doorways to go to another world soon. Um and I think that that's going to be interesting because I know like Roland definitely has to. One, the only spoiler I have about this, I'm going to just be frankly, like, super clear with everyone right now, is I know that at some point during this series, Roland goes to Topeka in Kansas in the world of The Stand. Um, And that is quite literally the only spoiler I have about this entire series.
0: And that's my fault because I made him go there.
1: Well, it's not your fault. You made me go take the picture, but then and I didn't look up anything at that moment. uh, But I did when I was looking up stuff about this Uh, it was just like one of the random facts that popped up. And I was like, dang it, I didn't want to know that yet. Um, Because I was just trying to like find out trivia. Like that's the downside too, is like I'm not going to really be able to Google and like research anything. Because if I research one thing thing about this, I'm going to accidentally find out everything about the whole series.
0: Yeah, Um, you can't do that.
1: So uh, I know he's going to, he goes to different worlds and stuff is what that tells me too. Right. So it's like I think that he's going to end up in like our world or his parallel world that heroin exists in. We see in part, and thus is the mirror of prophecy darkened. It repeats again. Um, so it makes me think, uh, and that time it's in quotes. Both times it's in quotes. Mm-hmm. That makes me think it's not them saying it. I think that they're quoting someone else then. So they've got to be quoting like an, a, a future person or something that says that back to him. I bet like Roland will definitely have someone say that to him. There are other worlds, gunslinger, and other demons. Those waters are deep. Watch for the doorways. Watch for the roses and the unfound doorways. I don't know what roses have to do with it. But there's been a lot of symbolism with Roland and roses. You mm-hmm. know, uh, there's a lot of roses in Gilead that he mentions a lot. Uh, there was roses in Tall that he mentioned. Uh, just roses seem to be a, a, a An, a an ongoing theme, yeah. yeah.
0: They will be an ongoing theme.
1: Um, and the unfound doorways, mm-hmm. you know, unfounded, unfound doorways. Unfound doorways. You know, maybe it's the doorways to the other world that no one else has been able to find except for Randy, you know. And that's the biggest thing about it, too, is – Randy having access to this almost like pocket dimension explains how he's able in the stand to just like quickly escape and then appear somewhere else. Yep. And so Mm -hmm. good job, Steve. I'm proud of you. (laughs) Um, It's just the fact that like we explain a major antagonist of like the last book that we read through an entire seven book series. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's so cool. Uh, Okay. Um, The second she comes on wheels. I see no more. So Probably a car is going to get involved at some point. Um, I wonder, uh, you know, I was about to say, I wonder if it's Liz from later. But also this book came out like three days ago. And <laughs> yeah. then this one came out 40 years ago. I feel like the new book character is probably not in it.
0: Probably not.
1: Um, the third, Death, But Not For You. The Man in Black, Where Is He? Near, You Will Speak With Him Soon. You know, and I feel like that's, if you're just reading this, and you're like oh the man in black at the end of this he dies in the time like vortex that they start nah that's not it no 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 no. <laughs> the man in black is not that's not him near you will speak with him soon that's true you will speak with him soon of what will we speak the tower oh boy will you speak about the yeah, tower buddy will. the boy jake nothing tell me about the boy the boy is your gate to the man in black the man in black is your gate to the three the three are your way to the dark tower so
0: this is it this is this is the summary this is the key. We've got it right here.
1: That's just these three things. These
0: these things are the key to the rest of the... The boy,
1: if without Jake, he wouldn't have been able to get to the man in black right here, for sure. Like, there's already been points where he was like, uh, I wasn't able to climb up this part of the mountain. Jake had to climb up and put a rock or a, rope a rope for me to mm-hmm. climb up it. Or, uh, you know, Jake pretty much, like, saved his life. Saved
0: his life at the way station, yep, right? Exactly. Without Jake, he wouldn't... He, he
1: wouldn't be here. Right.
0: Jake um, is his key to actually catching the man in black
1: and the man in black is your gate to the three because you're not going to know about the drawing of the three or going west or any of the universe or the nexus the nexus of size is the coolest thing I've ever read about before like the, the moment he started talking about that like, uh, um, anyways and uh, yes so she doesn't tell him anything The uh, and what shall I call you then star slut Horror of the winds mm-hmm. star slut 10 out of 10 nickname. If anybody wants (laughs) to start calling me Star Slut, I'll take it. Um, (laughs) Some live on love that comes to the ancient places. Even in these sad and evil times, some gunslinger live on boys. Even I understand on the blood of young boys. Don't get that one. But it does basically tell me, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like, uh, oh, my God, it's like quite literally like what we were talking about earlier. You know, you have to sacrifice virgins at the Oracle to like get a true prophecy. Right. The only thing is, is it's like Jake's sacrifice is not very. Ritualistic. No, it's. So it doesn't make sense to me that it would activate any kind of like special powers about that cavern. But But at the same time, it is like like ancient killing ground that he like so accurately describes on purpose right so maybe and, that death you know, is what causes and, the time and, like stop. you know
0: I, I death doesn't i don't think that it necessarily yes there is generally ritual attached to sacrifice like that but you know in more based in a reality there are sacrifices that we make all the time to get to the the next thing it doesn't necessarily have to be death we have to make sacrifices and it doesn't have to be a ritual to get to the next thing but in this case you know it it it, it is absolutely a blood sacrifice that has to be made but there doesn't necessarily have to be a ritual attached to it
1: right for me it also seemed uh Part of it for me was just kind of Randy playing with him a little bit, mm-hmm. and like we'll get into that a little bit. But I feel like it's kind of him testing him, like how serious are you about the tower? Are you going to kill this boy? Right? Are you going to like l- knowingly leave this kid to die so you right. can get your tower? So you
0: can go to the tower? What? And he's
1: just like I wanted to make sure you were that serious because right. like because this isn't like a thing I'm not going to give you I'm not going to not gonna
0: give you the key if you are not willing to. Do what it's going to take. Yep. Yeah, because you know, I'm
1: sure to this, this is point, not the you first say, betrayal and sacrifice. Right.
0: To this point, you say you're going to do what it takes. But are you really going to do what it takes?
1: I think even earlier on, it said uh, the first of many betrayals. Mm-hmm. And like when Roland's talking about stuff. So it's like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, how can I save the young boy? Cease, strike your camp and turn back northwest. There's still need for men who live by the bullet. Which tells me, one, that he's not the last gunslinger and that if he thinks he's the last gunslinger, he's super naive.
0: Well, but also, it, it says there's still need for men who live by the bullet. It doesn't say that there are more gunslingers. It doesn't say that there's not. There
1: wouldn't be a need for them if they didn't exist. Supply and demand. You know what I mean? Um, Martin, uh, I've sworn by my father's guns and by the treachery of mm-hmm. Martin. You know, in the next section, we get a little bit of like hint of like how we we'll, ritualistic it is to be given these guns and mm-hmm. like they're how they're handed down and stuff so maybe there is some kind of like magical like mm-hmm. binding into this to make yes. sure that like your father's like will is done or something like that um and by the treachery of martin i think that's just purely emotional it's the only like real emotion that we see from roland like that's purely like his is
0: is his, his absolute pure hatred of martin for martin mm-hmm.
1: and you know here's a little red herring here martin is no more the man in black has eaten his soul this you know you know I don't think that that – I think that basically what that is saying is that if there ever was a man named Martin, the moment that he started working for the Dark Man, like, he didn't exist anymore. Right. I also just think that Martin is the manifestation of Randy. Like, I, I think that that was just one form of him. And then later That was on, the name
0: he took in this exactly. world. Right.
1: Um, also, though, reading this again, I do think that Matthew McConaughey is perfect casting for that role. Like – Martin. For Martin M- and Man like and Randy, Man and Flag, like I honestly feel like.
0: Oh yeah, I I, that's I, I such never good I never hated Matthew McConaughey as that. And role. I know, like
1: racially, there's going to be and, some reason why Idris Elba is a bad choice, and but like I, if, I
0: didn't even hate Idris Elba.
1: It's just story wise. There's theory. Something in story wise, it. It, it, it. I imagine didn't work. I can already like. I imagine Gilead's all white. Well, and you don't have to say anything. <laughs> there's more to it, but but essentially,
0: but it. it it just didn't work in the overarching story, and I, I not that Idris Elba is bad, because I, I think that he is an amazingly talented actor, and I can imagine that he did a wonderful job with what he was given. Right, but you know, <laughs> it's it, not the story. It's not lied. the story. It's not the story that Stephen King told. And you know, I understand. And and again, we we talked about this when we talked about The Stand. I, I'm going to try to step back when we finally do get around to watching this and try to put myself in the director's shoes to look at the story that he's trying to tell. Um, because I understand that that there's a...
1: Cause I feel like the biggest thing about the movie is probably they're not trying to tell the entire story of the Dark Tower. They're probably right. just trying to tell the story of the gunslinger.
0: And, and it is my understanding that they just tried to cram too much into too small of a space. And so everything was very disjointed, but I don't know. That's the thing
1: too, is, you know, we've been calling this the gunslinger, but in reality it's not the gunslinger. It's dark tower one. Yes. So I can imagine that a movie would try to just focus on Roland's story and distill that down into like its essence. Right. Whereas Stephen King is not telling that he's telling the story of the
0: tower. Right. He's telling the epic of the tower.
1: Um, Martin is no more. I am sworn than you are damned have your way with me. Um, And so then, uh, you know, the succubus, that's the end of her prophecy, essentially. You know, I was thinking too, uh, Yehuda Banano, uh, and I'm so sorry, I hope I got that right, um, sent us a message talking about how we should talk about uh, the dream motifs that we have so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think dreams and visions in this, like I want to figure out, like I think that's such a good way and I want to figure out a way that we can like start to like incorporate that.
0: And I think that, you know, Something that that Steve does throughout all of his books is, and and I I know that's what he was getting at, is that he really uses dream motifs and vision motifs throughout so, so many books to give us...
1: Every single book we've read so far has had a dream in it that told us something about the plot. Right. Like, even Misery, even Apt People, Shawshank Redemption, every single one of them has had a dream that, like, has given us some foreshadowing of the plot. Yes. And it's so, like... You know, it makes me think like in real life, subconsciously, we have, we constantly every day are fulfilling, self-fulfilling prophecies. Mm -hmm. You know, we say like, I'm going to go to work today. You know, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy in its own small, insignificant way. So it makes sense to me that subconsciously in your dreams, you are able to see the bigger picture of the world in the life. You right. know, you're able Absolutely, to like yeah. go beyond just like the small in small little self The Small you day-to-day, make day to day and, and you're able to make right. big grand ones with your subconscious of what you want to achieve in the world.
0: That and I feel like that sometimes dreams are there not to necessarily for you to fulfill something, but to tell you something. To show you something. To show you something that, you know, especially like We bury things kind of in our subconscious and when we are in that resting state, you know, our mind can process those things and maybe those dreams will give us an answer to something that has been gnawing away that we just can't, when we're awake and focused on other things, can't process.
2: Right. Mm,
1: Yeah. I think that's a really good way to describe it. Um, and I think that that's what makes, like, the way Stephen King uses dreams so powerful, too. Yes. Is, you know, it taps because... into something that you recognize and you feel about a dream, too. Right. Um. So we'll figure out... I want you to know that we read that message and that we're going to try and figure out a way to, like, work more dreams. Maybe, like, we could have, like... More
0: specific discussion of the dreams.
1: dreams. Maybe, yeah. like, at the, like uh, we can start using some, like, sticky notes. And at the end of it, like, before we get into the, like, uh, hypothesizing, like, go through all the sticky notes mm-hmm. of dreams and just be like, okay, here's all the dreams that I can know. Honestly, I feel like those are gonna be the big clues that I have to like guess what's going on forward too. So I think that you're I'm gonna definitely right. be focusing on that. Um we get back into chapter six and seven and the rest of this, uh you know, it's pretty straightforward. Um it is the not all of it, this not the whole rest of the book. Right now, but you know, the rest this, of this chapter. This little chapter, least. right. Um from this point on it is them going up the mountain together and uh the entire time Roland is having these thoughts of I'm gonna have to kill this kid Jake is really starting to pick up on that apprehension and that like fear he
0: he knows that there's something
1: and uh you know there's this really great moment where they're sleeping up on the cliff and he's like don't roll over in your sleep or you might die and then Jake goes oh don't worry my mother says and he's like what does your mom say and he's like that I sleep like a dead man and there's just this awkward moment between the two of them like okay Mm -hmm. um and uh Jake says, why am I here? Why did I forget everything from before? And when he said that, it kind of made me, like, really, like, go, like, oh, kid, you're literally only here to die.
2: And it made me, like,
1: so, like, sad a little bit. I, I know now, like, in my heart of hearts, he's coming back to exact his revenge on Roland. It's just a matter of how. But also, like... Could you imagine just like a twelve-year-old kid? Your entire life is cut short. You get brought into this like random universe, and it's just like you get told nothing except you're gonna die in a couple days. Yeah, I mean, what a waste! Like, well, the fact that I don't also like it. Just the entire time, like we go through this more, and there's just so many moments where Jake's like, "I'm just gonna leave," and mm-hmm. Roland's like, "Okay, good luck," and then he right. like starts to walk away, and he's like, "No, I can't actually just leave. This just he can't be on his own. He or can't. He can't,
0: survive, he on can't his own. survive on his own. He." right
1: um uh so we hear uh what's fun is roland starts to uh you know fill the awkwardness with uh, his past and he's like you know you know about the bible and he's like yeah jesus and moses sure and he's like right well the place where i come from is called the uh, canaan uh the land of milk and honey um uh, there's so uh he's just kind of telling jake uh a little bit about Gilead and where he's from and Mm -hmm. uh, like what the world used to be like. And Jake says, I know about Ulysses. Was he in the Bible? And it's like, maybe who knows? Even Roland doesn't. Uh, (laughs) Right. And I think that that's, what's fun about it. It's just like, really like the Bible in this world is like a really good storybook that like had like these really important characters that may or may not have existed in this world so far. Right. Like Jesus seems to have like existed um, or at least some version of Jesus.
0: Right, because in FP- he's been mentioned enough FP- times that right. you
1: know that he's consequential. But also, you know, later on we find out that Roland is a uh, descendant of King Arthur and uh, Merlin is also in this world. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that, like, if we have these mystical giants of legends that cross over and are not just legends in both worlds, but actual figureheads. Right. It makes sense that Jesus is a figurehead in both worlds as well. Yep. Um, Was there a war? No. Even better. There was a revolution. We won every battle and lost the war. No one won the war except maybe the scavengers. And uh, he says, time to turn in, Jake. And they go Mm -hmm. to bed for the night. Um, You know, during that, Jake has, like, pretended to fall asleep. And Roland's just telling this, like, sad story. And, like, he's... I imagine he's really giving off like some real sadness, like some real ways of resignation. And he finally falls asleep. And even like Jake wakes up and just looks at him. And he's just like, I'm sorry, this is happening to you too. And it's just like, Jake is showing way too much empathy to this guy who's trying to kill you. Like actively not trying to like,
2: I guess like Jake doesn't know. Jake
0: doesn't know. I mean, Jake suspects that he is going to kill him. Yeah, But he wants to believe that he's not. And Roland, I believe, knows that that Jake is going to have to be the sacrifice, but is trying to also figure out a way to not make Jake the sacrifice because he's grown attached to him. He loves him. So, you know, I I feel like that there's a lot of really strong confusion.
1: There's a lot. Like, Roland's definitely going through a lot trying to figure out what to do here. Mm -hmm. And... His big super objective is to get to the tower. And right. the biggest thing is just going to be that that super objective is always going to overwhelm whatever else he has to going on.
0: Right. Exactly. He is ultimately that is his goal and everything else be damned.
1: Um So a week after climbing this mountain, they finally get to the top of it. And it, after the week, they get to the top of it. They see a footprint and they're kind of transfixed by it. And, you know, they're getting close. They get a little bit further uh, and a couple days later, and Jake's like, I can smell him. <laughs> and uh, Roland says, so do I. Also, real quick, does Roland have, like, super smell?
0: I don't think that either one of them has, like, super smell. The only but... reason I
1: ask is because in the forest, Roland is able to specifically smell Jake, and that's how mm-hmm. he, like, chases after him. Hello. And I know that they probably smell They probably smell really bad. But it just seemed like uh, it was an, it was an odd choice yeah for like your super experienced hunter gunslinger tracker to like start tracking by scent you know what i mean
0: yeah but at the same time when you are with somebody and they have a specific odor odor or smell about them you know that is it 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 does a lot of things smell is a really strong memory trigger and so I feel like, you know, th- that they've been traveling together long enough now that there's a connection there. And quite frankly, they're probably really rank <laughs> because they have been a while, yeah. a-, a while. Uh, and we haven't talked the about desert, them taking too. a bath. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Um
1: so they're up there they say they smell him and they start walking down the trail on top of the mountains and they are about to go around this real big uh, it's it's just pretty much an elbow you know you can't see what's on the other side of it Um, and as they're going Jake just screams stop please wait and Roland's like what's the matter I want to go back and you know Jake's just screaming like please 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 like let's go back and he says no he says you're gonna kill me he killed me the first time you're going to kill me this time and I think you know it and Roland's just like you'll be fine it's all right and even Roland's like, I'm lying to you, kid. Like, right. He doesn't and say that. Like, but well, like, to he doesn't say
0: it out loud, but he does say it to himself. And the greater lie yet. Auntie, I'll take care.
1: No. Mm. Yeah. It's You know, you just feel a lot for both characters. It's really like well done because, you know, you feel the resignation. Like, of course, Roland doesn't want to kill this child. Right. But
0: but he also needs to he get to also, the We don't know why. We
1: have no idea why. Like, that's the weirdest, like most interesting thing about this so far because we have no idea like why but I imagine you know if it's the nexus of time you can probably help reverse what happened in Gilead at the tower more than likely or you can go back in time and accidentally get stuck in the desert as the gunslinger and have to restart it over and over and over again every single time so you just keep picking the wrong door and you have to pick the right door to go back to the right time or to go to the right room
0: right I mean that's mm. those are all things those I know are all the theories. tower is cool I'm very excited <laughs> yeah. about it um I mean the tower could be a lot of things.
1: That's the yeah. Uh it could just like be a hotel. It could be an <laughs> overlook hotel. <laughs> um with kill your answer so easily. Uh so they can um uh, so Roland eventually is just like, "Nah, we're going to keep going." And Jake's like, "Okay, fine." Uh and they go around the bur- bend right around the river uh and who's standing on top of those rocks but good old Randy Flagg himself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um you know, I think it's really interesting too. That it's happening in this blind bend where they can't see around the corner. And then as soon as they come around, Randy's there. Right. So for sure, Jake sensed him or knew that he was there before Roland. You know, Roland has this like tugging anticipation sense. He has this feeling that there's something that's about to happen. Mm -hmm. But Jake is the one that stops them and says says, something is about to happen. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Which either, you know, so for me, it's like, you know, Roland already said, like, Jake's probably touched. He's got like a little bit more of like an extra sense. But to me, even more, it just showed me that Jake was 100% being controlled by the Dark Man. You know, that's the final test for me is, you know, you've saved this boy. You've gotten him here. You've done all of these things. But now, can you handle the boy directly pleading for his life with you right this moment? Like, you have, like, it's it, you are at the apex, literally the pinnacle of these mountains. This is your moment. Do you go back down or do you keep going and you sacrifice Jake?
0: Yes. and, and that And that's, I feel like that's his last opportunity oh 100 yeah that is absolutely his last opportunity to stop because when he makes the choice to go forward here there there is no turning back right
1: and uh
2: man
0: and this is where we were talking about earlier roland fired three times before he could gain control of his traitor hands the echoes bounced their bronze tones against the rock valley that rose around them over the sound of the wind and water fired three times and missed.
1: Do you think, I mean, you don't have to think I'm having like, I'm having epiphanies over here. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, no. And like, that is really important. And it's like we said earlier, it's important because Roland doesn't miss. Like, you know, we've sent an entire book establishing how Roland doesn't miss. He took one bullet to kill every single person in a town. Like your boy isn't out here missing shots. No. So the fact that they did miss or they, something happened, you know, showed me that like either he was able to like magically deflect him off and move him a little bit. He's like imperceptibly fast. And he just like looked like he dodged him or he is actually a projection and he's not actually there.
0: Right. And all of those things are
1: you ready for this epiphany I just had. Okay. Jake is the, is the dark man. I'm positive now. I'm almost 100% positive. And when he found that body there, that was that original body that uh, was that they find later on. And that's why taking that jawbone is so important. And that's why he had lost it is because it had been putting back into that body. Jake ends up, uh, you know, being the dark man this whole time. And every time they see the dark man, it is a projection that Jake as the dark man is creating to mess with Roland. Um,
0: okay. That's yeah. That is a thing. You he heard it
1: here probably 40 years late. <laughs> uh, uh, so he gets to this and he shoots at him and he's like, ha 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 how well you fulfill the prophecies of old. Good day and good day and good day. You know, he's, he's your typical, like a little bit crazy loon, mm-hmm. uh, old man villain right now. Um, and you know, part of it feels like he's just playing into a part a little bit, like kind of what the gunslinger expects of him. Yes. Uh, which is Absolutely fun. he is. Um, and he's pretty much is like, you know, we'll speak on the other side of the mountain. I can't wait to talk to you, but it'll just be the two of us. Uh. And uh he says, What are we gonna do on the other side? And he's like, We're gonna talk, we're gonna hold the long council and palavar. And I love that like Palavre. Palaver. Palaver palaver. Is that how it's pronounced? Mm-hmm. It's just it's a made up word for it is, but... Stephen King's universe, and I liked it a lot. Um Much council and long palaver uh palaver. Mm-hmm. Um Perhaps a gunslinger and then, you know, Jake is there and he's like Alright. Then uh okay. So you know, Randy disappears into the cave. He turns back to Jake and he's like, well, uh, this is what I got to do. And he starts right. walking towards the cave and he says, come with me or stay. And he says, I'm, I'm going to be fine if I stay, right? Like there's going to be someone with coffee and like some sandwiches and they'll come and rescue me. Say I'm right, right? And he's like, come with me or stay. You know, there's yeah. no, you can either he's, figure right. out how to survive right here on your own or, or you come, you can come with, with
0: me, me and, and take die. your chances. Yeah. Well, and take your chances.
1: I don't think there's any chances anymore. No, there's, no, there's not. It is death. Yeah, Like I think that that is what's got to be really scary for jake at this point is it like you know you just and obviously it's not scary for him anymore now that i know he's the dark man but knowing that he is a child before thinking that he's a child for me at least and he's sitting there like i am just walking into my death right that's With a the hard position understanding. to be as a child yeah right. um but he went and they would go down into the cave. And that's the end of this chapter. The mm-hmm. end of the Oracle and the way station. And like, you know, we're an hour in now. Mm-hmm. This one. But I feel like that is besides the constantly and the dark man, you know, s- slow means I don't feel like we're going to dissect that. We're one. not like, you know, we it's won't. really good. There's
0: There's good stuff, but it's not.
1: But it was necessary because everything in that last section was pretty like informationally expositionally slow. Mm-hmm. So we just needed some like some fast paced action. Here. And we get it in multiple parts. Right. So we start slow mutants and it's pretty much starting with um Roland trying to fill all of this awkward silence that they have created because Jake is well aware that he's going to die now. Uh, right. He doesn't know when and he doesn't know when it's coming up.
0: Or how he, Anything. he but he just knows that when they get to the other side, he, that the dark won't. man is gonna be waiting and he is not gonna be there. Right.
1: Um, so Roland tells us this story about something called the Sewing Night Cantillion, um, And it happens in the Hall of Grandfathers. And it's fun because, like, Roland... The way that Steve writes these flashbacks is what I love about exposition. Mm -hmm. He doesn't write it in a way that's like, here's the things you need to know about Gilead. There was the Hall of Great Grandfathers. There was the Capitol building. There was the barracks. There was my house. It is, you know, we were out at this festival and it was in this house. You know, oh, actually, you don't know about this. So it's like it's called this. It's just working it into a natural conversation like that. Right. Yeah. It's it's just
0: really, you know, I'm going to tell you about you know, Christmas at my grandma's house or whatever, and you know I don't have to go into a whole lot of detail about all of the surrounding things, but I'm just going to tell you this story about we this event. We get more
1: of Roland, you know, uh, and it's particularly we get a child not understanding what's happening, you know, uh, and I I only say that because I didn't understand what was happening. So there's no way that this child that's coming into this world that doesn't understand what's going on can just understand what's happening
0: right he's you know yeah there's no way that he's sophisticated enough to to know know.
1: the finer details of this intricate court system Mm -hmm. and he comes in and him and his friends have snuck into this adult only party and it is essentially a big feast with dancing Um, and they go up and they're sitting on this balcony and while they're in the balcony Roland watches his mother dance with Martin and it's peculiar because they do this it's not, not a. It's a courting dance. I was going to say mating it's, dance,
0: it's, but it's a very intimate dance. It's, it, it's, and it's, all it's like a slow
1: waltz, right? Is what it made me think of, you know, it's very close and slow. And they cleared the dance floor, so everyone's watching just the two of them dance. And this is the woman that's pretty much married to the right. chief of right, this clan. The, yeah, the right. Head it's like of the tet is what it's called.
0: It's like the queen dancing with, you know, the.
1: It literally made at, me think, like of,
0: intimately dancing with the elite advisor.
1: Do you know much about Rasputin? A little bit, yeah. So it made me literally think of Rasputin, yeah. you know? you know, That King is Nicholas actually and his a, wife that is
0: actually a really uh, apt.
1: It wouldn't surprise me if that was some of the, like, inspiration Inspiration, here, yeah. You know? That is,
0: yeah, because Martin that is a really. Rasputin makes mm-hmm. a lot of
1: sense because Rasputin is, you know, this high advisor that just appears in the capital, has a lot of magic and is able to, like pretty much save uh their uh son well every and, day. and he... really all he had was penicillin and no one knew about penicillin yet right but... and
0: and he was very charismatic and mm-hmm. yeah and he slept and, with the
1: queen a and lot. he slept
0: with the queen a lot yes um, so that is actually a very mm-hmm. apt uh
1: analogy an- analogy
0: yeah analogy mm-hmm.
1: roland doesn't understand what's, what's going on and at the end of the dance she goes back to his dad it's interesting to me because it's really setting the stage for what we know is about to happen. You know, like I know that Roland kills his mother now. Right, right. Because he so,
0: talked about that earlier on about being a matricide. So. And,
1: you know, I think, like I had said earlier, like that the dark man's going to trick him into this. But now I'm starting to feel like, you know, there's like this weird love triangle that's happening.
0: And Roland has such a. Strange sense uh, of black and white, right a and black and, and white, right and wrong. Yep. And so it, it's and I say strange, it's strange to us, but it is. That's just his nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this part of this is a really good description description of, of that
1: from a young age. Yes. You know, from the young age, the moment he thinks something is wrong, he he will do anything to fix it. Um, and I think that and, and whatever it takes and from this moment on we see that hatred of Martin start to grow to the point where he's you know kind of uh he you know he's gonna she's trying to murder this guy mm. like later on in his life like really soon in fact um, and uh, he falls asleep we go on to the next ch- uh, section and uh, they start uh crawling they find a railroad. And uh, so they start walking along the railroad that's inside of this big cave. And Jake says... Right, uh, because it's dark. And yeah. they
0: didn't, you know, they didn't...
1: They just like wandered, wandered into, this into it. Dark so, cave. you know,
0: being able to have something that is a definite moving forward, moving through to follow makes the whole process a whole a lot, lot easier. easier.
1: So they're putting, they have one foot on one of the rails and they're just like sliding that foot along as they walk down the road. Or along the railroad. And as they are walking down the railroad, slowly, uh, eventually they run into a hand cart. Like an old school one in the cartoons, Jake says. And they get on top of it and they start, uh, you know, using the hand pump to travel significantly faster. Um, And like we had said earlier, like, man, it has to be a week or two that they are inside this cave.
0: Yeah. They, they describe several sleeping periods throughout and this. It's interesting, and too, because,
1: you know, like you said, sleeping periods, resting periods, that's what they call them because there's no night and day cycle.
0: Exactly, because there's no light. So it's just, okay, well, I'm tired. so and, and it's kind of that whole, oh, it must be, my body must think it's nighttime. That's my circadian rhythm. Right.
1: Yeah. And so it's interesting, too, just to like, see that.
0: Well, and Consistency Roland and like, Roland talks about that that the desert was kind of timeless. I mean there was day and night, but changeless. he doesn't changeless. He doesn't know, you know, how many days he was in the desert.
2: It's just the and it's same over. It's the over same
0: and over. Again. It's the same over and it's this is the same thing. It's instead of being completely bright and changeless, now it's dark and changeless. And I think that that's a good uh, representation of where he is. Yeah. You know, when he was in the desert and doing the things and on his quest, he was sure that he was in the right and he was in the light and he was doing the good things. And now he's in the dark and he has to make this decision about Jake. Right.
1: So now it's just nothing but constantly thinking about that one choice that you have to make. And it's unknown, not only when that choice is going to be happening, but where at this point, because right. you're just in pitch black. Pitching. You can't see anything. exactly. Um, you know, And honestly, if you're thinking as Roland, too, you've probably got to have this sense of there's probably going to be something that I can't stop that's going to get this boy, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's going to be something that, like, I'm just going to, like, realize it's happening and I'm going to have to, like, stop and, like, save him from this or, like, realize that I can't save him from this. Mm -hmm. Um, So they get on their handcart and they're uh, going through and uh, they're sitting there uh, one night and Jake actually starts the conversation this time he's like i'd hear more of that uh and they start talking like they say a v and like all this stuff like really oddly in the middle of this section and just kind of indicated to me that they probably hadn't talked in a while Mm -hmm. um and uh i saw a not man hung once a not man i don't understand you could see feel him but you couldn't see him he was invisible Uh, i don't know if you say so so like words don't match up but like that idea matches up so it's funny that like for jake the word for invisible exists, but there's no invisibility in our world. But for Roland, there is invisibility, but there's no word for it.
0: And I right. think that
1: like that idea of like how concepts can exist with a name, but not with a name in these separate worlds is really interesting. Yeah, too. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and we talked about that before, like the words mm-hmm. meaning different things. Yeah. And even though they're all still technically English, they have different meanings and not necessarily all existing in the same way
1: yeah um and he says to jake you know i caught this uh guy and i uh ended up uh you know pretty much put him to death um and that was the thing is like you know in that moment i didn't know it but that's when i started growing up you know that was the thing that like clicked and jake was like what do you mean and he's like well uh he's like what do you mean don't you like have like a coming of age wasn't that a thing and he was like yeah but like I suppose the coming of age was part of it at that. It was formal, almost stylized like a dance. It was necessary to prove oneself in battle. And then, this is a one thing I wish Steve would have kept in his writing. Well, And this is something I wish Steve would have done more, like, continued to do, is the way that he, like, introduces these flashbacks, you know? It's not like a... It's just like... And then Roland started telling and it like flashes back, like from that point of view. I really enjoy the way that he does that in this. Right, it's
0: a um, an actual storytelling, not a discussion. It's, yeah. it's a- Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, and I really enjoy it a lot. Um, so this section here, there's not, this first couple of pages, there's some stuff to dissect, but after this, it's just the fight with Court, mm-hmm. which is really cool and really great. But there's not a lot to like really discuss in it. Um, it's just really like great how it's written. Yes. But first. Um Roland is walking through the castle, pretty much. It seems like, you know, the Capitol building, the whatever you want to like say, like the main Manor building, or where, like people's offices would be. And he's walking through it and uh, he hears a boy, you boy, uh, sound, a voice, and it goes, you boy. And it's Martin, the counselor, you know, uh, Randy Flagg himself.
0: Well, and I think that we missed one here. It's important to note um, he says it was three years since the hanging of the cook.
1: Okay, so, yeah, yeah, so he's grown up now. So he's, he's 14 he's cr- now. He's
0: 14 now.
1: Um, and so he comes in, and he walks in, come in, come in, don't stand in the hall, your mother wants to speak with you. And uh, in truth, his mother did not seem to want to see him, is what it says. And, you know, you get the classic, uh, you just walked in on somebody having sex uh, moment, and she's, like, trying to fix her, like, dress, and, like, fix her hair, and, like, make herself look better.
0: Right, definitely pulling herself back together, because an-, an Something intimate has moment happened. has been interrupted.
1: Uh, and she's, you know, she never... Roland has the distinct memory that she never looks him in the eye during all of this. Mm-hmm. And she only looks at her hands and she says, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm good. And he's trying. And uh, they're like, how's David? Which is interesting that he says that here because, you know, it's foreshadowy for the end of the next yeah. part. And he says, past is prime. And, you know, I think the moment that he criticizes anything that's happening in this, like, society... We see Martin, like, snap a little bit. And he's just like, oh, you dumb little kid. Like, mm-hmm. nothing's wrong here. Like, don't say that. Right. Um, it's a charade, a game. Who is he playing with? You have a cut on your forehead, Martin said. Are you going to be a fighter like your father? Or are you just slow? And uh, this time, his mother did wince. Both, the boy said. He looked steadily at Martin and smiled painfully. Even in here, it was very hot. Fourteen-year-old Roland, though standing up to Martin this way, super like I was like, right. "Get it, Ro. Like I love you." Absolutely. Um, yeah, he's
0: he is. I think this is important to show that from an early age, Roland he did Roland, not. He did not... Well, and I
1: think that this is also got to be after the ball, the cotillion ball, mm-hmm. that, like he's seen too. You know, like yes. you know, so he's already got this idea that like they have like more. That there's of a there's more to than it than be. right. Um, So Martin says, you can go up to the roof now, boy. I believe you have business here. And then he just looks at him and says, my mother hasn't dismissed me yet, bondsman.
0: Right. No. But you get back in your place. Yeah, Because ultimately, I have have a higher rank than you. Back
1: off. And will you give me a sign of fealty, bondsman, in the name of my father, whom you serve? Martin stared at him, rankly, unbelieving. Go. Go and find your hand. Smiling rather horribly, the boy went. Um, as he goes, his mom starts to cry and uh, he leaves the room and then uh, Martin just hits her and says, shut up. And, uh, you know, uh, Roland walks away and then he heard Martin laugh. The boy continued to smile as he went to his test, Mm -hmm. you know, after everything we've learned about Roland, after watching him as an 11 year old boy, almost walk out and like slit that cook's throat, Mm -hmm. like right there. We know now that there is some strong reason why he's not turning back to do something immediately. Yes. And, you know, he's smiling and going to his test. He's going to me like I was like, okay, like I think he's going to get his guns. And that's what it like. And, you know, it is. It is. It is. I felt really good. Like I was like, okay. So he goes to his test. He breaks into court's house and he's like, cry off. Don't do it yet. You kid. I like you too much. I don't want you to fail and be exiled. And like, you know, that's when we really start learning like, oh, like you're 14 year old if you don't pass this fight like you get exiled and you can never come back right um cuthbert and uh i'm telling you right now cuthbert gets exiled and he becomes somebody else and we're going to see him later um and uh court uh accepts and he says okay fine like we'll do it and he's like what weapon do you want and court's like i'm gonna have the stick and he's like where are you gonna choose and he's like i'm not gonna tell you and he's like wise move boy wise Mm -hmm. move and it's like oh like I, that seems, to me, it really told me that, like, honor means nothing to Roland. Winning is what matters more to Roland than honor. Because in an honorable duel, in that kind of, like, setting, you would be like, I'm going to be using a sword, sir, and, like, you know.
0: But at the same time, part of the manhood ceremony here, the, the battle here, part of it is that they're they're there to outwit court. They're there to beat court, mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily have to be with honor. An, with honor, it just has to happen, and win. and it can be you know. In this case, he really he chooses David as his weapon.
1: He stretches the rules. Real he hard.
0: stretches the rules real hard, and and ultimately he wins with his wit. Yeah. Instead and, of just his strength. Yeah. In in physical strength.
1: So, uh, Roland walks away from Court's house, and Court's like, You have an hour. Go pick your weapon and meet me at the battleground. Roland goes to his house and in his basement, and he's had his hawk or his falcon, David, down there now for a couple of years. And David's past his prime. He's got some gray feathers, and he doesn't fly as much anymore. Um, And Roland doesn't keep him hooded as much anymore because he's been feeding him and coming down and petting him. Mm -hmm. And it's a very small section, but it's really important because it just shows you that, like, Roland has taken better care of this Falcon than anyone else ever has. To the point where he's proved people wrong that you can become friends with the Falcon.
0: Right. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he's he has. um, Fostered a relationship so that David trusts him
1: and. uh (sighs) he just comes up to him and he's like i think you're gonna die today david i'm gonna sacrifice you um so that way we can accomplish my goal and uh he's like do you do you care no it doesn't matter um do you remember like all the little hawks that we sacrificed to help you get your goal like Mm -hmm. no you're one of those little birdies uh and he's like it doesn't matter though like at the end of it like david what will you choose will you choose to grow old or will you choose friendship and help me and right. it's like, wow, Roland, like 14 year old Mullen's really manipulating this bird. Right. And it's a, bird, <laughs> so it's a can, bird. So I can only imagine like, he's going to find like somebody to like when he needs to manipulate somebody, he's going to be very good at it. And it's only a matter of time until he starts doing it more. Um, and, uh, they left the barn. So he takes David, puts him on his, uh, you know, his little falconer glove and they, uh, head out towards the, uh, battleground. And, uh, you know, it's, it's about, this fight is really well written, and I really it enjoyed is. it. Um, and essentially, uh, we find out, one, Roland's last name here, DeChain. Two, we find out that he is uh, directly descendant from King Arthur, Right. Um, which is
2: why Arthur he Eld, mentioned right. him earlier. Exactly. Um,
1: and it's fun because he doesn't, in no way does he ever, like, directly say, like, my grandfather, my great-great-grandfather was King Arthur. He just says, you know who King Arthur is? And then three chapters later, he's like, oh, I'm descendant from the line of Eld. Right. So, if you're just not paying attention, you might not even pick up on that, but like he is directly related to King Arthur with Merlin, the old, the legends, the British king of legend like mm-hmm. everything. So all there the is things. some so. importance of that story here. Which is fun and interesting because it makes me feel like Stephen King's going to take all these ancient stories, you know, like uh Gilgamesh and uh uh king arthur and the bible and the quran and like any of these like older stories of these crazy like figureheads and i feel like we're going to see a lot of them coming back and forth you know um it'd be really cool too if like i'd love to see like some like different pantheons of gods like you know like randomly we saw like freya or thor or like you know we see like something like that like not saying that like
0: right um a representation of that yeah, yeah just
1: show like the different way that like the tower and this nexus has become it's actually everything in our world that and, we've ever known it's just yes. that we don't get all of it we only get parts of what come out of the tower and the nexus and right. mid-world
0: absolutely mm-hmm. yep
1: um so they start the fight um you know he is very surprised that it's the Falcon. Um, mm-hmm. But Court starts running at him, and he takes the hood off, and the Falcon starts like diving at him, and they get into the fight. And eventually, it comes down with Court just laying on top of him, and uh, the uh, Falcon gets punched uh, before this, and he breaks his back. And right. he's just laying on the ground, like, biting at everything, just trying to, like, help Roland still. So Roland takes the, like, broken falcon and just throws it at uh At Court. Him, at court. And at the same time, Court is, like, falling on the ground to, like, punch Roland. Mm-hmm. So he falls down and the hawk gets, or the falcon gets stuck between the two of them. And he's just pecking everything and just trying to get out. Uh, eventually he stands up and he, like, throws the falcon to the ground. And, like, he's done for. Um, but, uh... As he does, he goes to do that. It is the same time where uh, Roland stands up, hits him in the crotch, and, mm-hmm. like, grabs uh, his stick from his the stick ground. he has to take, yep. And that is the way that he wins. Right. Is like, that's how you win this uh, test yield is getting the stick. And so he gets the stick, and he says, yield or die, and then Court yields, and he says, you did it. I'm so proud of you. Like, thank God you're not going to get exiled. All of his friends are super happy um but immediately he has no joy nothing he says i need the key i want my key now give it to me where is it and he's like well calm down like take a night to like think about it you just did something really cool and he's like i want my guns now now yeah. and uh, so he gives him the key and he's like what do you need this for and he's like and you know court you don't realize it but he's about to die uh at least that's what I well, think. Well, yeah, I he mean. He seems like he's about he to die. He seems
0: like he's about to die. But he Roland. He gets him the two nurses and everything. Yeah, so he, he gets probably him, doesn't die. He gets him the care.
1: But um, the last thing that he says to him is, let the word and the legend go before you. There are those who will carry both. And he's like, that's his big thing. He's just wait. Right. You know, you have all of this fire right and all now. of this energy yep. that you want to go and like do this. But if you wait two years, the legend of your name will spread so far, you will only have to walk into a town and get what you want. Right. But if you go off now and you just immediately start this bloodshed, you're going to become a villain.
0: Right. And, that's, and, and you know, Court, for all his faults, is actually very wise. And mm-hmm. he, I mean, he's been doing this Court, for a long time. and if nothing and... else,
1: is probably the only per- adult in these novels besides Roland's mother that cares about them. Yes. So, like, in, in Court his cares, own cares weird about way. them so much. Right. You know, well, it's, yeah. And I think that, like, you can't train and teach kids without loving them.
0: Absolutely. Because and kids he... are
1: frustrating and they suck a lot. So if you, <laughs> it don't, is hard. you love it is those kids hard. and you don't want to like see them improve, you're never going to.
0: Right. He's just, he's just, um, he's harsh. Yeah.
1: He's, but... kinda, I don't think it's that. He, I think he's harsh, but he also just has high expectations. He does. You know, he knows that what can be accomplished if you work hard and put your mind to it because he's seen it happen over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, he goes and he pretty he kind of takes his advice in the, the slight moment. He takes his key and he says, uh, make a litter, get him two nurses. And then Cuthbert comes over and he says, do you want me to help you with the hawk? And uh, he says, yeah, like, that would be really nice. Mm-hmm. And he goes to do the hawk. And downstairs, far away, someone was playing Hey Jude Ragtime.
2: Mm. (laughs) Uh,
1: the gunslinger's mind turned reflectively inward. it was in that hail splattered silence just before sleep overtook him that he first thought that he might also be the last um no you're not roland come on no you're not don't pretend like you ever seen a show called doctor who an entire planet was exploded and he still wasn't the last time i mean that
0: is That's true.
1: I'm just saying, like, your one city got destroyed and you're telling me you think you're the last gunslinger boy? Nah. No. Like, those guns just didn't go away.
0: Well, and he's... But he's the last, in his mind, and his perception is that he's the last fully classically trained, trained, classically like trained. Not that other people don't have guns because that's not But he's
1: probably one of but the only ones that has like how can and like the magic of like The singing.
0: formal training There's that,
1: some magical like aspect right. of this training that yes. has to happen. Yes. You know, like there's something supernatural about the There's more to it than
0: just learning to shoot like, a gun. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um and so he uh, pretty much tells, and we come back into the real world, and he says, uh, the gunslinger didn't tell the boy all of this, but perhaps most of it came through anyways. I imagine he didn't tell him that uh, David was my friend that I took care of for long years and that I sacrificed him to accomplish my goal.
0: Yeah, probably didn't like tell him that part. seems like it's a little too on the nose too to the tell nose, the yeah. kid
1: that you're about to sacrifice to help accomplish your goal. Um, he comes out. And uh, it, I really enjoyed that flashback, too. Like, that was, like, a good one. I was, like, actually about to, like, go to bed for the night when I started reading this. I was and like, I'll just like, get to the end of this chapter. And, and then, then, like, you're like no, I, I went into that this. flashback. And I was like, never mind. I'm going to finish, like, this Slow Meetings chapter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and then I finished Slow Meetings. And I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to finish the book real quick. And then I finished it. Um, so they wake up uh, the next day. And they are walking through. Um, and this is it says in this top of this chapter during the next period of waking the railway angled closer to the underground river and they came upon the slow mutants Mm -hmm. um so jake sees it first and you know this is we've heard about them mentioned a couple of times at this point but we've never seen them the first one that jake sees his face is glowing like a jack-o'-lantern and he has tentacles all over his body so we're immediately given the sense that these aren't just people, right? No, you know, like there's a reason why they're stuck in the caves and they can't get out
0: because they—that's they have mutated to be dwellers in the darkness. And you know, and I
1: think like there's even a sense of sadness from Roland because he says this one line specifically, and it really stuck out to me. Maybe they're just waiting for the person to lead them to back to the light. Yeah, and that was like so. Yeah. Even if they were to get out into the light, do you think the people of Tall would have ever accepted a slow mutant? No. Nah. No, no. So it's the way that Roland is able to empathize with so many people, yet also sacrifice anything that is in his way, is yes, such it's... a cool duality of man. Yeah, he's he's he never is... making these sacrifices without being aware of what he is doing to his soul and to other people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's a very um... he's methodical. And he's very deep and he, I, he's compassionate. Yeah. But also driven.
1: He's compassionate.
0: To a degree. But he doesn't
1: let his compassion or his emotions get in his way. Yes. Which I think is probably something that a lot of us would strive for. To have that ability to be able to accomplish your goals, even when you feel sad or down or like unable to do something. Uh, and I'm only focusing on that. You know, of course, right. be anger you and know. happiness and all the other emotions that you'd have to work I, through, you too. You know, but... and
0: I'm not sure that I, I want to like have to sacrifice a kid to get to my goal. But I do wish that I had a better drive to get to my goal.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying that the tower seems pretty cool.
0: It yeah, depends on what but... kid it
1: is, is all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh you know if it's Jake who is just a manifestation of the dark man get out of here Jake you're gone but if it's like you know a kid i like maybe not maybe i would turn around and strike camp it depends if i had knew anything about that's one thing that's always like that i'm very interested to know too now is we learn a lot about the tower from the dark man mm-hmm. at the end of this yes we do Roland doesn't seem to know any of it
0: no he just knows that he needs to be there he knows that that's where his ultimate
1: that and then there's one line where the dark man says you never seem to learn do you roland you just can't seem to figure it out uh that makes me think of the time loop theory Mm -hmm. you know there's just some like base memory in roland's mind when he gets wiped and sent back to the desert that he has to get to the tower but he doesn't know why or how um and then also you know it made me really seem like this isn't the first time randy's been here having this conversation with him uh can you pump for me? The gunslinger said, can you? And so uh, we get into this part now where the slow mutants have congregated as they see this, uh, they hear the uh, hand carts start coming through their area. Mm-hmm. And as they are, they start charging it essentially. You right. know? Um, and at first, Roland was like, they're not going to attack us, we're fine, but I think that we all knew that now that this is a trap set by the Dark Man,
0: Right. And Too convenient you know, that the handcart exactly. was there. And then
1: also it went right through this village of slow mutants. So they go through and uh, there's a point here. And, and they have
0: to be on the handcart to get
1: through the village. as far as they yeah, do. If they were on the handcart, they would have
0: died. They, right. Yeah.
1: The slow mutants would gotcha. Um, So they are on the handcart. They're going through, and uh, the slow mutants start coming at them. And Roland's like, all right, you're going to need to pump now. Um, So he starts pumping it, and Roland turns around, and he starts shooting them. But the moment he shoots one of them, it angers them. And they all go pretty much into a frenzy, and they start, like, running at him. Right. But there's a couple of real smart slow mutants, and they run ahead of them, and they put rocks on the tracks. So as they're going, all of a sudden, they hit these rocks, and they stop. So Roland is there, like, pretty much shooting all of these slow mutants and then uh the dark man as jake goes into uh you know maybe it's not the dark man specifically but the dark man is in jake for sure and so he says jake you got to get off this cart and you have to move those rocks or we're done for and jake's like i don't want to i'm too scared and then he goes into you know a, an annie wilkes style uh a trance and she right. he just like zones out and he stops talking and he gets off the cart with blinding speed and immediately starts moving these right. rocks Almost as if the dark man was like, no, Jake, subconscious, this is not the time for you to, like, be a little, little crybaby. You need mm-hmm. to do this for Roland so you can come die soon. Right. And so uh, he gets off, he gets the carts out, and then they continue on their way, and the slow stop after them. And it's a really well-written section. It's very heart-pounding. It's really, really, really good. Uh, action in this book has been really fun and good. Yes, um, and,
0: and ju- there's just enough of it to keep you going. Think, yeah. yeah.
1: And then just enough information, too, to, like, wonder, like, what's going to keep happening. Um, and uh, there's this one particular moment where a um, slow mutant grabs Jake's foot Mm -hmm. and the thought crosses Roland's mind is this where I'm supposed to leave him is this where he's supposed to die right and he decides no and he shoots him and he saves him and it makes me realize the only reason Jake has to die is because Roland chooses not to save
0: him that's the moment when you know it.
1: Yep. And it's, you know, he could have died there and he could have met the sacrifice. I almost guarantee you, if he died there and he shows up, the dark man would be like, ah, I told you. Like, see, it's just going to be you and I. But because the dark man has put that self fulfilling prophecy out there to Roland, mm-hmm. in Roland's mind, there's no other option now. There isn't just the option of, let me save him and see what happens. Right. Which just shows you how nefarious the dark man is
0: right and he doesn't how, even give
1: him like the hope that there is a third option
0: and how in a way naive roland is
1: not roland's so nice like, like he i like i am telling you he my,
0: believes that that is literally roland is the still 14. only way
1: roland is still 14 years old he was stunted as a child from all of this trauma and war and fighting and death he never got to grow up. He didn't actually get to go out and evolve beyond that as a person. So now he is a giant 14, 15-year-old man-child right. and trying to hide his emotions this. and constantly being on his guard because he doesn't know how to deal with his own emotions. Yeah. And, you know, there's something to be said about, like, idolizing a stoic man. But I think that that's very harmful to mm-hmm. masculinity and to men in general because it just really encourages you to shut down on your own emotions and feelings. Yes. And I don't think Roland is a good archetype or role model. I love this man as a character so much.
0: Right. But he, but he is not, not somebody that you Roland should emulate. emulate yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And I think that that's interesting to see is a lot of those 60s, 70s, 80s representation of manhood. uh are that way for me you know Mm -hmm. it's like i think this character is really cool because they are so strong and stoic and they're like a big oak tree but i don't ever want to know that person in real life yeah you know um which i just think it's interesting that's all um and i think it's interesting too just because like you know i know part of me is stuck as a child from what i went through in my childhood
0: right and i think that almost everybody has some aspect of them that they have Held on to held for forever, on to... just because
1: if they got rid of it, they wouldn't feel like they're themselves anymore. Right. And for Roland, it's these nursery rhymes and it's that naivete, that black and white sense of right and wrong. Exactly. You know, that's what he learned from his mother and father, and that's the only thing he really has anymore of them. Yes, his, his, is the sense of justice sense he got from justice. his father for the, from his father, and then the sense of love he got from his mother. Right. And so constantly in his heart, there is just this fight for I love Jake, but the white side of good tells me I have to sacrifice him to get to the
0: tower. And that's my ultimate goal. I have to get to the tower.
1: And the thing is, too, is for Roland, his black and white scale is movable. It moves based on what the middle point is. And Mm -hmm. for Roland right now, the middle point is the tower. Right. So anything that is good to get him to the tower is on the white side. Anything that is bad and sets him back is on the black side. Right. So the moment that anyone, the succubus, uh, the dark man, Jake himself, Roland, says, Jake's going to slow you down that's the bad
0: thing he's right
1: He cannot be in that like relationship anymore right um and uh, yeah it's
0: just but you know the oracle spoke of the other people that you know the the young the boy with heroin demon Mm -hmm. and the one on wheels and you know we don't know where they're going to end up yet but he has been warned that he is going to come across other people this
1: woman that comes in is not in a wheelchair i'm very like that's gonna be interesting um uh, but i digress uh and like you said though we know not now but sooner when we get into the tarot cards too mm-hmm. i mean at that point jake's already died right well we think he's died he's didn't really die since he's just a manifestation of the dark man and at that moment he switched his bodies so the dark man was actually standing on the other side and jake was <laughs> the manifestation who fell down uh said that really fast Kurt I'm sorry if you're going in 1.3 speed that was probably way too fast (laughs) Uh, and I've gotten really far ahead of myself haven't we yeah we we, so they end up uh, walking across this chasm like we're talking about now right and it's four or five days after the slow mutants they're walking across this big chasm which is just the railroad tracks over a giant canyon drop Right. they can hear, hear the river the at the bottom, and it's uh, not dark. It's light now. There's like, yeah, they're some, starting um, to
0: get some light because uh, they're they're at the end of the mm-hmm. cave.
1: And I figured there's holes or something in like the cave and like the structure too that's like coming through and just like dynamically. If I was like directing this scene, there would be light like beams coming through the caves, right?
0: Like, and, like the like the the opening like the at the end wouldn't be just like one hole. It would be like yeah, Swiss yeah, yeah, yeah. cheese cave. <laughs> it would be like
1: uh, the Goonies, like when they find the yeah. pirate ship. And uh-huh. It's just like everywhere. It's like, yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> and they get to, uh, oh, no, they don't get there first. First, they get to the subway station. And we find out that this really was um, like a Grand Central Station style place.
0: Right. Yeah. That This shops, was a switching. It's got, yeah. Um,
1: it's got coffee stations. It's got bathrooms. It's got all of the things here. Um, which was really interesting to me because that and the way station have started to really make me think that maybe these, maybe they've been accidentally going through doors and they don't realize it. Maybe the door into the cave was a door into another world, but the slow mutants are there. So it's like, it doesn't seem likely.
0: Well, I mean, it could be another yeah, it could be another world, but not this world. It could be that. Right.
1: And that's like the thing though, is it's interesting, like how that would be, but also I'm just curious, like. It's like Randy says in The Stand, honestly, you know, all of this stuff is just sitting here Mm -hmm. and it just takes someone to know how to use it. Right. So there's all of this stuff that's sitting here, but no one's using it. So the knowledge of these like machines, like he says at one point too, that there's these group of people using the machines. And even though sometimes the machines often eat the man because they don't know how they work. Right. And those are the money that live up in the North. I imagine like in Chicago and like Detroit area, you know, and, uh. You know, I keep putting it in, like, geographically in the U.S., but that's just what I know. Right. And so that makes sense. It makes
0: sense to put it in a, a, you know, we talked about this in the stand. You know, it it wouldn't make sense for him to write something that wasn't in a world that he didn't, or in a region that he didn't know. And so putting this in reference to a known entity or a known quantity for us makes sense.
1: Yeah. And uh, they're in the middle of this... uh, State subway station, and it's pretty much the final moment where Roland chooses to like separate himself from this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, he's you know pretty much saying, Like, I you made a deal with someone to kill me, I know you did. And it's for me, it was really proving like what I had been feeling is that the only reason Jake dies is because Roland chooses to let him die. Yes, if Roland had just made the choice to not let Jake die and still go to talk to the dark man, like. I really would love to know what would have happened. Yeah. He uh, pretty much says uh, I didn't make a deal with anyone and you're fine, you're like gonna be okay, and he just
0: and, walks but, away. Well, and then he also, you know, rolling in his mind, how easily you bluff this young boy again and again. His wonderful intuition, his, his touch, touch, has led him to this point, to this point, and again and again, you have led him on past it. And how difficult could it be? After all, he has no friends but you. So even Roland in his mind knows that he is being terrible. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think that that's what's so interesting too. Like we're talking about that moral compass. It's so easy to swap for him. Mm-hmm. So easy to change it when for himself. Um, and he just walks away. Right. Um, or doesn't walk away. He gets on the handcart and starts to, he starts like, to roll, roll, away. roll away. And then yeah. Jake's like, wait, no, I'll come. And then... Uh, He gets on and uh, he literally leaps into Roland's arms and Mm -hmm. clings to him. And uh, Roland's like, all right, we are going now. Roland and Jake finally get to this big chasm that we've been talking about, that we've been foreshadowing and hinting at. Mm -hmm. And they start going through it and going across it. And uh, Jake's leading since he weighs less. And it is rusted and old and antique. And they're scared it's going to fall apart on them. So Jake's leading the way, and here's hearing all these these crunches and this small, like, little breaks, uh, and Jake at one point is like, hold on, the uh, three of these things are out. You're going to have to make a big jump. Mm-hmm. And so he just says Ugh, and he jumps across. And then Roland, uh, he's like, you know what? You might as well just not make it. If you jump across, it's going to break. So you just turn yeah. around, and I'll stay here. And Roland's like, okay, uh, I don't think that's true. So he walks up, and he literally just takes one big step over the hole. And it's like Jake was trying to, like, trick him to, like, yes. force him back. And uh, I think that if Jake's doom wasn't coming in the next five pages, Jake would have tried to turn it on Roland. Mm-hmm. There, there is, like, definitely, like, there is enough vehemence in Jake at this point where he's like, I can't believe you're lying to me and manipulating me and tricking me like this.
0: Right. Because, you know, again, Jake is young. And all it takes is Jake to is... push him off. Right. And he doesn't. Though. But he is wiser than we think.
1: Yeah. Well, also, you know, he's just teaching Roland things every day, like mm-hmm. what f- a fossil is and, you know, all of these different things. And it's like, yeah, those are words that probably also come from another world, but also like.
0: I mean, there's probably a word for it, but Roland. Roland
1: also didn't learn anything. He well, just right. learned how to shoot well, and like and, how a falcon.
0: And even if he had book learning, because I feel like that that would have been part of their training. He left his training when he was 14 years old. Yeah. You know, he he defeated court when he was 14. And, and that's when his training stopped.
1: Um, and they're going through this and uh, they get to the end and they're like, oh, we got 30 feet left. And uh, he's looking down at the track when all of a sudden everything goes dark. And he looks up and the man in black is standing at the end of the track mm-hmm. on the other side. And he says, hello, boys. And just as he says, hello. The metal rips, and the tie underneath Jake falls and breaks. And Jake reaches up and just barely catches onto the railroad. So he's hanging there with one hand, and he screams, help me. And uh, on the other side, the dark man just says, no more games. Come now, gunslinger, or catch me never. Um, He doesn't move. He just stands there. And he says, come on, do it now, or you'll never catch me. And he's like, help me, help me. And he's like, uh... And so the um, he's the dark man says then I believe you and Roland says no you shall not and he just right. in that one moment everything about catching the dark man the tower everything blocks out any emotion he has for Jake he steps over Jake and just walks towards the dark man, um, and uh, as yeah. he f- does Jake you know.
0: <laughs> Jake knows that he was the sacrifice he's known for a while, while now
1: he lets go and he says as he's falling in a very calm voice as this kid is falling, he says, "Go then there are other worlds than these
2: mm-hmm. doesn't
1: scream doesn't do anything so hmm very ominous death for an eleven or an eleven year old like I right. said um. Uh, so then Roland gets to the end of it and just climbs through and he's like, yep, that's it. And so the dark man's there and he's like, ah, you did it. This is not the end, but the end of the beginning. You progress gunslinger. You progress. Oh, how I admire you. Um, you know, if this is, if he's another theory that I've been having is that he's already in the tower and that this is the first floor of the tower and that like what he's going to be ending up doing. And we just don't realize it is he's going to be working his way through the levels of the tower. Um, And I had said this originally that, like, it gave me a Dante's Inferno, like, uh, hell vibe.
0: Right. Um, Yeah, like the rings of it, the stages. Dante going Mm -hmm. through each
1: ring of the hell and going to the center where the devil is. Right. Um, And it gave me a very similar vibe to that when I started learning more about the tower. Um, Roland pulls out his pistol and shoots at him 12 times, and he misses all 12 shots. Yes. Just to really, like, slam home the point that this is not a real person, that it's a manifestation or spirit. Right. Um, Because... Roland's not missing with 12 shots, point blank, maybe 10 feet away. No. And he says, now, 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 we may make great magic together. You don't want to kill all your answers that fast. Um, And so he says, "Uh, follow me. And Roland follows him. And that's the end of this chapter. If I would have had to wait two years to read this next chapter, I would have lost my mind. Yes. I have to pee real bad. And then we get into the gunslinger and the black man. The man in black, excuse me, gunslinger and the man in black, the chapter five of our children's book, um, and it is the smallest chapter too. It is, um, and I feel like at this point when Steve was writing it, he was like twenty three, I think, is what mm-hmm. I did the math in, and uh, it was published when he was twenty three at least.
0: Right, right. That's, so he
1: might have written it earlier, but when he was writing this, he already knew it was a seven part series. I, he, he knew, knew it that was there was a, more
0: a to this than. He and knew that this was gonna be an epic, not yeah. just a, a short story. Whereas
1: like, you know, when you were reading uh his journeys through Tull and mm-hmm. the Way Station, it does feel like there might be an end at this end of this novel. Yes. You know, it does feel like he might catch him and he might get all the answers. You know, honestly the tower is very rarely mentioned in the first three chapters. Right. It's almost not even it's mentioned like twice.
0: Right. No, because the first the first part of it is all about getting the man in black.
1: Mm-hmm. It's nothing you know, about the and tower. Then, and, then and then it's then slowly, slowly morphs into right, being and then about the tower. Well
0: the man in black's gonna have the information about the tower. And I
1: think that that's, that's why the I thing have to get him. Is you know, the I don't think he had the idea for the tower in the first two chapters. I think he had the idea for Gilead and the Man in Black. Right. And slowly he was like And it
0: just It developed into an entire Bigger
1: and bigger and bigger Universe yep. in
0: his mind And yep. so
1: by the time He's writing this chapter He's just How do I set up All of the rest Of what I want to write mm-hmm. So we get into this chapter And uh, it's quite literally uh, This is like The entire recap They sit in a cave and talk End of chapter um, There's a lot of really good stuff That happens uh, Yes but like, oh, yeah That is literally like What we read all of this chapter of um, so they get to this ancient killing ground, like we were talking about to talk and make palaver palaver. And, uh, it's got all of this death around it. And then mm-hmm. he says to himself, I'm in the West Cuthbert. If it is not Midworld, it's close by. Right. Um, you know, there's this longing for him to still be in contact with Cuthbert. He misses Cuthbert. He doesn't know what happened to Cuthbert. There's an unknown quality there. Boy got exiled after he lost his court calling it right now. Um, uh, he, uh, makes a point to, you know, the, uh, man in fire start, uh, go, he's like, go get some wood. He brings back some wood. And the man in black starts a, uh, fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and he starts it with magic and Roland like instinctually reaches for his jawbone, but he doesn't have it anymore. Just right, saying cause like, he
0: had given it to Jake.
1: Oh, well, he got it back from Jake in the forest Oh, and then, and then Jake it. just threw it right. in the forest. So they don't, he never re got it and like re picked it up. Um, so he's just like somewhere along the line and I lost it and I don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, because the dark man needed his jawbone back. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if that'll even pick up, but, uh, he's sitting there and he brings, uh, he gets a rabbit and, uh, Roland makes them this rabbit and then he hands it to the man in black. Uh, the man in black takes his hood off and you know we get treated to our first description of him yes Uh, you know he's a handsome well built regular looking dude with uh, dark hair long dark hair Um, he looks like the description it gives me looks eerily similar to what I think of Roland and Gilead and people in Gilead so it really makes me like think that he's choosing um a I could have taken a face with which you would have been more familiar, but I elected like to just show you the one I was uh, born with. So it makes me think that Martin, when he is created, was this manifestation of uh, of uh, Randy, like I've mm-hmm. been talking about. Yep. He's created as a manifestation in Gilead to look like the people of Gilead,
0: right? So that he so he, he looks fits like in.
1: Martin, so he fits in. And then he becomes Walter. Like, we're just about to find out. He becomes the monk. He shaves off all of his head and everything. And then he travel, keeps traveling as Walter O'Dim. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, that's his full, like, evolution. And, like, we, I said earlier, this is an emissary. He's an embodiment. This right. is not a real person. He was never a real person. This is just you know, almost a spirit or a a, a, a phantom. Yes. Because a phantom is, like, somebody that's a corporeal ghost that is able to, like, control objects. Yes. Um, and, uh, he sits him down and they make the fire and he doesn't eat any of the enchanted meat. And he's like, uh, pulls out this deck of tarot cards and he like, mm-hmm. these are tarot cards. You well, know what they do, Roland?
0: Well, and he said, um, the sun had, already, oh, yeah, yeah. had departed already. And the Western sky was filled with a sullen furnace light. You won't see another sunrise for what may seem a very long time. The man in black said,
1: and, uh, What's really interesting, too, because, you know, essentially like there's some kind of like time magic in place, Mm -hmm. whether it has frozen the entirety of the world or if there is just a bubble around this hunting ground. um, It's still yet to be really discovered. But either
0: way, where they are,
2: time time is not
0: going to pass in a typical fashion. I don't think we're not going to have a typical overnight palaver and then the sunrise in the morning
1: um man in black pulls out these tarot cards and uh he pretty much tells you what's going to happen over the next course of the sex and Up seven novels uh, mm-hmm. through these tarot cards uh the first card was turned the hangman um and they tell you straight up here that the hangman is roland you know normally it means right. somebody that's walking towards their way to death but here it can also mean strength and uh probably also someone walking towards his death um you gunslinger are the hangman plotting on ever towards your goal over the pits of Naar. That's a fun little like drop in there. Mm-hmm. Just like here's a new place and thing and concept that you have no idea about. Um so I'm interested to see what that means. I imagine like that might be like probably where Legion is from in this universe. You've already dropped one co traveler into the pit, have you not? Um, but it also could be like the river sticks, you know, right. um, that kind of idea that like this is just where all the regular casual souls go to live right. after they're gun for. The second card was turned, the sailor, note the clear brow, the hairless cheeks, the wounded eye. He drowns, gunslinger, and no one throws out the line, the boy Jake.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So either the tarot cards are going to be people that he meets or they're going to be people that he has to sacrifice along the way. And which is interesting because if it's people that he has to sacrifice, it means he's going to have to sacrifice himself at some point. But I think when he sacrifices himself, he ends up back in the time loop and he starts it all over again. Because uh, he didn't sacrifice himself correctly. Or something. I'll figure it out. Don't worry, guys. The third card was turned. It was a baboon with a whip. And he calls it the prisoner. Um, a trifle upsetting, the black man said, on the verge of snickering. Um, and we don't get anything else about that one. You know, we just know that there's a prisoner, right? Um, but I well, will say, and,
0: and but it talk, it, it says a baboon stood grinningly astride the young man's shoulder, and that is a the very baboon typical on your back
1: from uh, heroin,
0: right? Yep. Right. That's a very typical yeah, uh, depiction, the monkey, on your back. The monkey on your back of an of an addiction. So, yeah. so we as the reader know what that means because that is a common. Idiom in our vocabulary is the monkey on your back. So we know what that means
1: now it's like okay we need like i actually like like i said i read this multiple times like mm-hmm. really like try and figure out what like what it is prisoner like we said um and i think like a lot of this is him skeletoning out his own series for himself
0: right i think this is his outline
1: yeah exactly and it's like here's what i want to build guys like oh mm-hmm. well, this is what we're going to try to do so you know the prisoner you know i imagine now drawing it three is going to be based off of this heroin addict that he's going to meet somehow um The fourth car, a woman with a shawl over her head sat at a spinning wheel and the second is going to come on wheels, we heard. Um, So I'm thinking also, like, it would be nice if we gave Roland maybe a companion or two that he's not trying to kill every day. Um, (laughs) But maybe that is what's interesting about Roland is he doesn't have friends. We'll see. He doesn't have friends anymore after Cuthbert got exiled. Well, after Cuthbert
0: and Elaine and Jamie. Yeah, whatever happened to
1: them, he doesn't want friends anymore. Um, The Lady of Shadows is the fourth card, and it's the woman with a shawl over her head sat at a spinning wheel. Um, To the gunslinger's day's die, she appeared to be smiling craftily and sobbing at the same time. Does she look two-faced to you, gunslinger? She is two faces at least. She broke the blue plate. So intentionally super confusing and very (laughs) vague, so that way it's something you're constantly thinking about, and the moment when we meet a woman with some kind of blue plate thing, she's going to immediately be like, (gasps) you're going to go like,
2: oh, I do
1: think right now after, like, one of the best things I love about talking about everything through, like, the podcast, too, is I get to reevaluate things and, like, say it out loud. Because normally I'm right. just thinking in my head.
0: Right, right. And and you get to bounce it off. I'm pretty sure somebody. this woman is yeah. in a wheelchair
1: now. Um, and, like, broke her blue plate. Like, I imagine that's probably going to end up being something, like, with her spine. I mean, I guess that now. Like, she broke something. Um, and she is going to be two-faced. She's definitely ended up being a bad person. And Roland's going to feel bad for her because she's in a wheelchair and she can't walk. You know, the classic... Gotcha with the wheelchair maneuver. Um, just want you to know that uh, good strength today. Really good job. <laughs> I know this has been really very hard for you, hard. I'm sure. Um, and I'm sure, like, other people that are going to be listening to this are just like, I hope you are either, like,
0: and they're gonna incredibly be going, impressed Kim or you are, it like, together. laughing
1: so hard as I go through all of this. Either way, I'm really happy you're listening and I hope we're entertaining you. Um, okay, we get into the fifth card. And uh, before we get into the fifth card, the man uh, Roland says, "Why are you showing me these?" And the man in black says, "Don't ask, don't ask, merely watch. Consider this pointless ritual if it eases you and cools you to do so, like church. Um, and I think no. Mm, nope, dang it. I wanted to see where he says it. older man, sunrise at some point during this and I can't tell if he said it yet or if he won't if he says it sooner um he just says you never learn Roland like it's after this is it okay and like that's what like that was the first moment where I was like he's in a time loop this is not the first time they've had this conversation um and like especially like this part where he says like just it has to happen just watch it like regardless of what you want to happen you can say whatever you want but if I don't do these tarot cards the timeline doesn't work correctly so shut (laughs) up and just let this happen um So we get into the fifth one and it uh, turned the fifth card. The grinning reaper clutched a scythe with bony fingers. Death, the man in black said simply, yet not for you. A lot of this is eerily similar to what the Oracle had said. Mm -hmm. The succubus had said. What's interesting now is where this information is coming from. Right. Is this information coming from the same location? Does the succubus have a different like in on the information is she like more of like a nature spirit she'd be able to pull it from Gaia or is she just another uh Aspect. right-hand man of uh you know Randy mm-hmm. is she another part of Legion um yeah I, I just think that's really interesting too because and you know it's a little you know when you're reading through it for me at first it was like man this is lame you're just giving me the same prophecy we've already given but it makes each one of those points that the succubus said right truthful right. which is important because then we can judge the rest of what she says is to be true so combining these two prophecies we do get different information from each one
0: yeah we get confirmation
1: mm-hmm.
0: and additional information
1: yeah and i think the confirmation is really important mm-hmm. for this um so then we get in and like he says death yet not for you um yeah, dude, you're going to kill, like, everyone around you. You're probably going to do another genocide. Like, if you don't do at least one more genocide, I'm going to be a little disappointed. And I hope it's a genocide where you learn something from it. I really, like, am excited. I think one of the things I'm most excited about is Roland's character growth is going to be wild throughout this novel. Like, at the point where he actually gets a redemption moment to save, like, a young child, he's going to do it. And I'm going to cry. And I'm going to be so happy for it. And I'm going to be like, oh. Or... It's the exact opposite, and he's only going to get more ruthless. And he's just going to start murdering, murdering people at the moment that they say something against him. I'm excited to see where it goes. Seventh card, or no, sixth card. Sixth card. The feeling was this. Gun singer looked at it and felt a strange, crawling anticipation in his guts. The feeling was mixed with horror and joy. The whole the emotion was unnameable. The tower. Here is the tower. The end of your journey isn't the tower. Is what that told me. Mm -hmm. We'll get to the tower before we finish the books. And then there will be more about the books afterwards. Um, Where does that one go? He placed the tower over the hanging man, covering it completely. Almost as though you're stuck in the tower in a time loop that you can't get out of, Roland. What does that mean? The man in black does not answer it. What does that mean? Dang you. Um, I'll be danged then. What's the seventh card? And he flips it over and it is roses and red and blood and... It's life. And he realizes that, like, on the picture, it is roses and blood. It's both. Mm -hmm. It's both. Um, And the man in black says, the seventh card is life, but not for you. Where does it fit the pattern? That is not for you to know now or for me to know. I'm not the great one you seek, Roland. I'm merely his emissary. He flipped the card carelessly into the dying fire. It charred, curled, and flashed to flame. (sighs) Okay. This is awesome, right? Like, it's great. Like super cool um yeah i'm telling you like roland's in this time loop i'm like this is my theory now like for sure i'm stuck in it and like his life means nothing because he's already dead and he's in this time loop and they're trying to like get him to do the right thing so he can go to heaven or like whatever it is you know i think uh, it reminds me of like um the good place now you know Mm, like i don't know if you've ever seen the good place but like there's a lot of like you know grow, become a better person so you can get to heaven. Right. And the whole point of this is them trying to get rolling to heaven. And he's just like constantly like, I'm going to kill this little boy. I'm going to kill this entire town. Uh, I'm going to, you know, go trip drugs in the mountain and have sex with the stars. Right. Like he's not leaving the type of life that they want him to get into heaven with. Right. Um, You know, I think that that's why the the card gets thrown into the fire is your life doesn't actually mean anything. It's here and it's there. Well, no, and, and he
0: says it says he says it's life, but not for you.
1: So, it, oh yeah, true.
0: So, mm-hmm. you know that that is that doesn't pertain to your quest. Yeah, that life doesn't pertain to your quest. We're just gonna throw it out.
1: Hmm, that's interesting. Like how he treats Jake. You know, it's like this isn't important to my quest. Throws it out. Right. Um, it'd be nice to see if there is a. a a possibility for redemption from him to save all these people that he's going to end up murdering. I say that knowing like full well, he's going to murder more people and there's (laughs) definitely more sacrifices and betrayals coming. That's going to be like the heart of this story. After that, he says, uh, yep, I'm not the one you're looking for. I'm just uh, an emissary. I'm a spirit. And uh, he says, now go to sleep perchance to dream and that sort of thing. I just, I like Shakespeare. So it was fun for me. And uh, my bullets won't do, perhaps my hands will. And he goes to like, jump across the fire to like strangle him and as he does he falls asleep yep um he falls the asleep. the world
0: was filled with the sound of sardonic laughter he was falling dying sleeping, sleeping he dreamed
1: he uh is dreaming and this is an entire uh dream section in mm-hmm. fact um which is super interesting because it's also not a dream because the dark man is inside of it right um and you just got to read this chapter yourself guys uh yeah definitely you definitely need to read this section because this is really good there's so
0: much that happens here and we could probably talk about these last what 20 pages or so for an hour by themselves this
1: could have just been one Um, episode um but i feel like if i just sit here and only like focus and analyze this like i'm gonna hype myself up a little bit more than i want and i might get it yeah (laughs) exactly um
0: you have to wait at least a little bit because you know Everybody had to wait for that second book,
1: and that's the thing too. Is I just want to like make sure that like I also want to give it enough time to like ruminate in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like yeah. really, like, absolutely, because you're going want
0: to. Like I wouldn't and have had the wheelchair epiphany today without that. You may reread this again before you read the next one because you're gonna want to make sure that you've you've gotten all of it out of you. I'll can. probably
1: reread at least all the flashbacks and like the prophecy stuff. I won't read them like traveling through the desert. Probably, and, like, all that the, stuff.
0: probably this last three you don't section. You that stuff. Yeah, yeah
1: but. Well, I don't even think I'd read most of the Slow Mutants. Like, you just need to read the flashback in Slow Mutants. Probably, like, yeah. Chapter three.
0: It basically, it shows it's him, shows the him creation. Yeah. Yeah. It shows him
1: how the world was created. Um, really interesting. Uh, just because, like, he. The way that it made me feel. Is that he is offered unlimited like power or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And he turns it
0: down.
2: Yes.
1: He's offered this knowledge, this life, this, light, this, this everything, he, But he has
0: to give up his quest.
1: Because he want, he, he still can't go to the tower. And right. in that moment, he comes back to himself because he refuses to give up the tower. And uh, yeah, it's just really interesting. It also implies yeah. that Randy Flagg is the one that created the universe. Um, which is also interesting or
0: that he he was, was it, there. he was there yeah. not necessarily that he did it but he was there
1: and he's just um, good at like timing out the like and the light and he just knew right. how to say it
0: well and and i like the the last little bit of this section he fled the light and the knowledge the light implied yeah. and so came back to himself
1: and uh he uh wakes up And he pushes himself up and he sees the man in black just staring at him after the man in black's pretty much shown him the universe and Mm -hmm. creation and everything. Uh, And he says, You know, you did pretty good. I couldn't have shown that to your father. He would have just ended up like a drooling maniac. Mm -hmm. So the line of Eld is important. Yes. For sure. Um, Maybe this is the first person since Arthur that is able to see creation like that. Right. Um, I don't, I'm starting to think though that the line of eld is tied very directly to the tower there's something about that bloodline that has a quest with the tower maybe that's why the quest is tied into his father's guns so much for me you know there's something there that like there's something in the bloodline that is making this more important than they're letting it to be
2: yeah
0: i doubt because it's not
1: just gonna be a super cool thing that he's related to king arthur
0: no that's that's
1: you know what I mean? Like, it's it's right. just... There's, no, it, there's more to it. There's no coincidences in a Stephen King book either. No. Um, and uh, the what was that? The universe. Uh, you want the tower? Yes. Well, you shan't have it. No one can- counsels of the great... Ugh. What does that say? No one cares in the councils of the great if you pawn your soul or sell it outright, Roland. I have an idea on how to close to that edge that last pushed you. The tower will kill you half a world away. I have an idea of how close to the edge that last pushed you. And I think that's talking about Jake. Mm -hmm. You know, that was probably the hardest choice he's had to make since this point because.
0: Right. Up to this point.
1: Jake, he made it very clear that Jake reminded him of him. Yes. He saw 11-year-old Roland in the shoes of that Jake kid. You know, the way that he had so much situational awareness, the way he thought he could be such a good gunslinger, the toughness that the kid was showing. You know, he loved that kid probably in the same way that Court loved Roland. Right. And he thought
0: he he thought he maybe had found somebody that he could share his knowledge with.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think in some ways there's going to be some kind of requirement to the tower. And the man in black right now is saying if you just go through the entire way murdering everyone, you're not going to be let in. Right. And you can't just give up your soul and your life, your manhood, like your your personhood, your humanity. That's what I'm trying to say. You can't give up your humanity if you expect to accomplish this quest.
0: Right. You have to think there's more to it than just you.
1: Right. Um, I made your father and I broke him. I came to your mother as Martin. There's a truth. You always suspected, is it not? And took her. She bent beneath me like a willow. Although this may comfort you, she never broke. Um, Which I mean... Yeah, I feel like that was pretty obvious in that, like, one little interaction. I don't mm-hmm. feel like in any way she wants to be in the affair with him. No, she is. But she's, there is something. There's,
0: he's got something, some control, some hold over her.
1: I feel like it's probably going to be like, uh, you know, he offered to help the uh, Tet of the Gun become Da Din or Din Da or Din Dan, I think is what it is. Din I think it's Da, da Din. Da Din. Yeah. Um, which, context clues, it's all the made-up words, but, you know, mm-hmm. he was pretty much... He was promised his clan to become king. Right. Um, and I think that that is why his father, Stephen... <laughs> I thought it was really <laughs> funny, though, too, that all of these, like, wild names, and he's just like, Stephen, John. <laughs> and I was just <laughs> like, what? But also, I mean, Arthur. Right. So it's like, it makes sense that, and like... And I
0: mean, and Roland is not, yeah, you know, an Roland unusual name. Roland seems
1: like... That's a fantasy name, though. Like, at least I just imagine it is. Stephen... Is not a fantasy name. Stephen is in not any a way. fantasy name. It's like Christopher or <laughs> <You're> Jeremy, <right. laughs> and then the Great Wizard Jeremy rose out of the flames. <laughs> That's not going to work. Um,
0: well, and I, this is I am the furthest minion of he who now rules the Dark Tower, and Earth has been given into that King's red hand.
1: Red. Why do you say red? Because he's a demon. <laughs> right. Um. So it makes me like. We're saying, though, I'm the furthest minion of he who now rules the Dark Tower, and Earth has been given into that king's red hand. So, Randy is definitely this embodiment of this person, you know, Legion. You mm-hmm. know, i like, we've like, that is confirmed in a couple of pages. You know, he says his name is Legion, so we know right. that is the same person. What this manifestation doesn't tell us is if he works for the person in charge of the tower or for the king. Right. So it's uh, left up in the air. Is this information coming from the person in charge of the tower who wants you to get there, Roland? Or is this information coming from the king who wants you to get there but for ulterior motives?
0: Right. For different right? You for know, I think that that's going to
1: be something that we find out too is, you know, the tower can only be found by, like, heart or blah, 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 or, like, whatever it is. You know, somebody that hasn't given up their humanity and... I mean, you know who has no humanity at all? Roland. Oh, Roland. No, I think Roland has more humanity than like...
0: But uh, up to this point, he hasn't shown it.
1: I think that that's the thing, though, is I think that he's been suppressing it up to this point for the sake of getting to his quest. But now that the man in black point blank is telling him, if you suppress your humanity, you will not accomplish your quest. I think we're going to see a change in him because I think the moment that...
0: Because that that is put in front of him. And so now he's like, okay, I've got to figure if this I out. If I don't
1: change, I'm not going to accomplish what I need to accomplish. And I think that's what's important about at the end when he says, I love you, Jake. Right. is That is that is that that is showing that he changed. He has regret and remorse in that moment. He's like, I, I know what I did was what I needed to do, but I loved you and I still miss you. And I regret that that's what had to happen. Yeah. And I think that that is the most beautiful character arc of change that we get in Roland in the, this entire in book. In this book, yeah. Yeah. You know, he goes from literally murdering an entire town, not even saying sorry or goodbye to the town and just dipping to pretty much like giving to me what was an entire eulogy.
0: Well, yeah. And I mean, we go through that yeah. to basically what's him sacrificing a symbolic son.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Some, And it's. You know, we're talking about Roland's childhood being stuck inside of him, of him never being able to, like, go throughout that. But in some ways, too, this is him sacrificing that childhood. Mm -hmm. You know, that naive hope that, like, everything was going to be okay if he finds the tower. You know, there's going to be a lot of hard sacrifices that you're going to have to make to make this through it. And you are not going to – you can't lose your humanity while making these sacrifices. And I think that, in some ways, it's interesting that this person is the one telling him all of this. Right. Because – why are you
0: Is he- are you trying to
1: help him get to the tower or are you trying to like tell him why he's going to fail
0: or a little of both yeah
1: and it's interesting you know it really like maybe Roland's the only person in this general this universe with free will you know, something like that. And he's the only one that's able to, like, actually make these choices. So they have to give him the information. Like, here's all of the information. Like, what are you going to choose to do? Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, the mirror of destiny is clouded for him. Right. Is because he actually has free will in this universe because he's brought here in a different way than everyone else has been or something like that. Um, at the end of the dream that he has with Roland, uh, he... Uh, uh, sees all the white light and as he's seeing the white he sees a single blade of grass that filled everything and he was tiny, infinitesimal um, grass, a blade of grass, are you sure? Yes, the gunslinger frowned, but it was purple Hear me now, Roland, son of Stephen, would you hear me? Yes, and so the man in black began to speak. Again this is another chapter you just gotta read Yes Um. It is amazing It's really, really interesting Um. It reminded me of Glenn Bateman a lot you know, like there's mm-hmm. always and like even now that I'm learning more about Stephen King, he talks about why he writes and he writes to answer the big questions for himself. Yes. And I think that's so interesting. He doesn't write to like answer like the question of time and size for me. He writes this because he is interested in when it isn't it wild that like you can look at the pencil lead and see like. There's millions of atoms that are just constantly being smashed down into a piece of paper to like write or Mm -hmm. that you can like look into the universe and know that there's more universes beyond our universes and more universes and more universes that like we can't actually grasp what infinite really is. And that's what he says in this entire
0: chapter. That's that's the summary of that chapter. And it it really is.
1: It's the reason why he wrote this series, I feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, he was like, what if there was a place that was the center point of time the center point of the galaxy the center point of everything the
0: center point that holds everything everything together,
1: together. and it all if that tower goes away everything would just slowly fade away as well um and i like you know we're 240 pages in and we finally understand why stephen king is writing this series and i think that like it's r- really great
0: we're we're only 240 pages i know in right it. isn't that like wild <laughs>
1: wild um And uh, he says, Yet suppose further, suppose that all worlds, all universes, met in a single nexus, a single pylon, a tower, and within it a stairway perhaps rising to the Godhead itself. Would you dare climb to the top, Gunslinger? Could it be that somewhere above all of endless reality there exists a room? You dare not. You dare not. What's interesting is... It's the way that he writes this is like, it's all in quotes. So we know it's all what the dark man is saying, mm-hmm. but he puts that you dare not as a separate line and a separate quotation to right. imply maybe Roland had said that. Right. So there's like.
0: Or that, you know, it's it, it is a separate thought. thought. You don't do that. We, right. We don't know it, because of the way he separates it. It could be a separate thought that both of them had. Mm-hmm. But it, but anyway, it is a separate thought from. That continuous mo- moment right. that
1: he was having. Um so we get into the next chapter and the first thing Roland says, someone's tried. And he's like, Who would that be? And Gunsinger says, God. God has dared, or the king you spoke of, or is the room empty? And it's just like, Yeah, Roland asking the good mm-hmm. questions. Uh and he says, I don't know. And furthermore, I don't ask. It might be unwise. A being afraid of being struck dead. Perhaps afraid of an accounting Right. Uh, you know, maybe they're going to take stock of all the good and bad things that you've done in your life, Randy, and uh, you're not going to end up where you want to be at all. Right. Um. And I think that that has to be a thorough way through this novel, is that there is a reward in afterlife. Because if there's not, Roland keeping his humanity doesn't make much sense. Right. Unless it's like a key to the tower is having humanity. um. I really feel like, though, that, you know, him being afraid of an accounting uh, of this supernatural being that like we are assuming like has like all like he literally has stopped time Mm -hmm. and he's scared of what could happen. Right. So there's definitely a heaven and a hell in this universe. They're probably different places completely than this. I don't think that this is the afterlife at all. I think this is just like a separate universe.
0: This is this is a after his childhood life but not a, and an after he hasn't died yet. but he hasn't right
1: yeah um and uh he uh my counting the fire I'm called and uh <laughs> and he uh you know it's this is the first time too where the dark man stops talking. Mm -hmm. You know, he says, what, are you scared of something? And he's like, yeah, I actually am scared of something. And, you know, and then he like, it's real quiet. And, you know, we don't get anything else. And he's like, I'm cold. And Roland's like, I'm cold. uh, The fire and the man in black's like, I'm not even going to use my magic. Butler's off. You do it. I don't want to have this conversation anymore. Like he, he hurt him a little bit more than you could have ever expected in that moment. Right. And I think even Roland's a little like, probably taken aback that like, he, he
0: was so spot on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, especially because, like, even, you know, they like, made it pretty clear that Roland is not, like, exactly the brightest of the smartest. Right. He has a better intuition than anyone else in the novels, I think, is what we're going to find out. He but has better he's, instincts, but he's not mm-hmm. the person that's drawing the conclusions and putting it all together. Right. Um, what are you staring at? An old saying of courts occurred at him. Do you see your sister's bum?
2: Hmm.
1: <laughs> Classic. Um. I don't like it. You seek the light so soon. I was made for late. Ah, so you were. And so in me to forget the fact. Yet we have much to discuss yet, you and I. For so so has it been told to me by my king and master. Who is this king? Super vague again. Is Mm -hmm. it the red-handed king or is it the king in charge of the Dark Tower? He doesn't tell us specifically. No, he doesn't. Um, Persisted. Um, Shall we tell the truth between you and I? No more lies. Uh, There's an offer you will... Not as friends, but as equals, Rollins. And this is an offer you will very rarely get. Only equals speak the truth. That's my thought on it. Friends and lovers lie endlessly caught in the web of regard. How tiresome. Um, Start by telling me exactly what you mean by glamour. My enchantment, Gunslinger. My king's enchantment has prolonged this night, and will prolong it until our palaver is ended, or is done. And he is, from what we can tell, he's super honest here. Right. Like, he's straight up just like, I don't want to have... I honestly it really makes it feel like he's kind of done with it at this point. Now. Right. He's like, well, he's like I have one given thing. You,
0: I've given you what I can give you. You pushed the wrong button and now I just want to be done with you.
1: Right. And he, so he's just like, what else do you want to know? Like, let's finish this. And he's like, you're going to have to, uh, who's your King. And he's like, I don't know. I've never met him, but before you can meet him, you're going to have to meet the ageless stranger. Mm-hmm. Um, you must slay him. Gunslinger. Yet. I think it is not what you wish to ask. Um, If you've ever seen your king and master how do you know he comes he comes to me in dreams as a strickling he came to me when i lived poor and unknown in a far land Uh, a sheaf of centuries ago he imbued me with my duty and promised me my reward although there were many errands in my youth and the days of my manhood before my apotheosis you are that apotheosis gunslinger you are my climax you see someone is taking you seriously You know, we get that same vibe from Legion in in the stands, you know, Mm -hmm. too. He's like, oh, you've been touched. Someone's taking you seriously, so I'm watching you. So I'm watching you, yeah. This stranger that you're working for, does he have a name? Oh, his name. What is his name? Legion, the man in black said softly. And somewhere in the easterly darkness where the mountains lay, a rock slide punctured his worm and a puma screamed. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. I, like, legitimately started laughing. It was it would like... It a, a wolf's howl. Yeah, it was just, like, <laughs> legion.
0: Oh! <laughs> right. just
1: like, oh, wow, yeah. And, uh...
0: Kind of makes me think of, um... Uh, young Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> Sorry. I, I digress.
1: No, you're okay. I, I, yeah, I get it, though. But it's the same kind of... Um, and he asks, the stranger is a minion of the tower, like yourself. And he says, yar... He darkles, he tinks. I didn't look those words up because I don't think they're real words. I think they're made for Stephen King's Mm -hmm. universe. So those are like two verbs that he creates in this world and doesn't tell us what they mean. He's in all times, yet there is one greater than he So, you know, he's in all times. He's everywhere. Who's greater than me? ask no more the man in black cried his voice fired to sternness and crumbled into a speech i know not i do not wish to speak to speak of the things in end world is to speak of the ruination of one's own soul so if that's end world and we're pretty sure he's in mid world there has to be a low world and i imagine that's our world is low world you know like it's like the it reminds me of the like planes in dnd you right. Know, like there's yeah. the our plane, mm-hmm. and then there's like the uh, heavenly plane, and the central. Uh, what is it? A- ascendant, ascendant plane. Mm-hmm. I think is what it is. I think that. Yeah. yeah. But, any,
0: but yes, there are definitely levels.
1: And uh, he says, uh, uh, "I have to find the the ageless stranger. Is and beyond the ageless stranger is the tower, and whatever the tower contains." Yes, whispered the man in black. But neither of these things are what you wish to ask. True. All right, the gunslinger said, then ask the world's oldest question. Will I succeed? Will I win through? If I answered that question, gunslinger, you'd kill me.
0: <laughs> and Roland in typical Roland fashion. I oughta. I oughta. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: you need killing. His hands only drop to the warm butts of his guns. Those do not open doors, gunslinger. Those only close them forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about his guns there um where must i go go west go to the sea where the world ends is where you must begin there was a man who gave you advice the man you bested so long ago yes court the vice was to wait it was bad advice for even then my plans against your father had proceeded he sent you away and when you returned i not hear you speak of that
0: yeah 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 so he's like it, i don't want to i don't want to hear about my mistakes yeah it's Stop. Like, stop talking about that i don't want to talk my about mistakes. what you're
1: scared of i don't want to talk about my past right like um and he says, "Oh, come on! You must have remembered that there was that monk with the shaven head, Walter." And so, you know, we find out that after whatever it happened, he had thought Martin had ran away and like mm-hmm. escaped, but in reality, Martin never left. Right. And I think that's why. That's another reason why I think Jake is the Dark Man is because I just don't think that the Dark Man has ever really left Roland on his own that long. Uh, and there's a reason why the you know the traps that after he gets Jake. None of the traps are as trappy like the Darkman traps were before that, you know? There's the none traps of... don't trigger the way they... Yeah. Are. Mm-hmm. Well, even, like, the succubus isn't triggered by the Darkman. I feel like that's something that's completely separate that they just happened upon. Right. You know, the Slow Mutants is definitely a trap, but it was a trap specifically set uh, with a way to get out of, even. Um And he says, you never left at all. I ought to kill you now. (laughs) Well, yeah. Besides, all of that was long ago. How come now comes the time of sharing? Sit. I'll tell you stories as much as you would hear your own stories. I think I'll be will be much longer. Yet tonight you must. We must understand. Understand what my purpose, you know, that to find the tower is my purpose. And uh, we get to this part here. And, uh, you know, Roland was scared of the magic at first, but now he's like, here's some tobacco. And Mm -hmm. he's like, like
0: yeah, All right, yeah, that's I'm fine. I can up the food, but give nicotine. me the cigarette.
1: <laughs> but give me the cigarette, yeah. Um, and he starts talking uh, and he says, You must understand the tower has always been there and has always been boys who know of it and lust for it. And then it just kind of trails off. Right. So, you know, he tells him this tale, the saga, the history of the tower, but we, the but reader, we don't get it. Get to know it. Yep. Um, two thoughts in that. One, Stephen King just didn't know it at not, like 23. He had no idea, like, what this story was. He didn't know how to, like, tell it. He didn't know how to, like... He'd hyped it up at this point so much that it, whatever he wrote... had to he make wrote, sure it was right. Whatever he wrote in this moment would have been disappointing. Right. Yeah. So, so we need... Leaving we need it open time. to my imagination makes it yes. better.
0: And we need the time to expand the world and, and experience the quest.
1: Second thing is, even in the next section, he says... Uh, Roland says it was a long night and there was a lot of talking. And and to be honest, I don't really remember most of it. Mm -hmm. So the fact that, you know, Roland just remembers the opening line of the tower's always been there. People have always wanted it. I feel like that's probably all really Roland got from the conversation and needed. Right. You know, it's like you're not the first person. You probably can find someone that knows information about it. Right. And you probably won't be the last. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It'll be you over and over again for the rest of your life because you're stuck in a time loop. Well, the rest of your life is relative because you're stuck in this time loop, but regardless. um, So we get into eight and now uh, this chapter is just to set up the next book. Mm -hmm. Um, And he says, you're going to go right. And then you're going to be um, you're going to get this new power called drawing. Uh, And he's like drawing and he's like, yeah, you know, it's actually a power you already have. You just don't know how to use it. Right. You know, I can't give you more powers like you already have them. Um, And he's like, but you're going to draw three. Um, and uh, I don't really care and I don't really want you to know what is it no one wants to invest you with a power of any kind gunslinger it is simply in you which is interesting that he says no one wants to invest you with a power gunslinger it's just simply in you right Mm -hmm. because it makes me think that Roland isn't like a paragon for everyone it makes me think that for some reason Roland is on his own he's got this sense of free will that is not existing anywhere else so there is while there is this, you know, wanting to help him get to the tower because, you know, he might be able to change the tides of, like, whatever's happening, you know, whoever is, like, trying to get him there, there's probably also that same sense of fear that Roland could just come and ruin everything and take over.
0: Right. Because he's he has outside this, of the... the
1: timeline or, like, whatever right. it is that we're going through. Um, uh, last smoke and then we'll do this. And so the three, uh, you know... Uh, And I'm compelled to tell you, partly because of the sacrifice in the boy, and partly because it is the law, the natural law of things, almost like the timeline has to continue in this way, and you're the only one that actually gets to change it, Roland. Um, And also, like, if it is a timeline thing, I wonder if there's ever been a timeline where Walter, or where he didn't sacrifice Jake. He brings him up onto the thing, and then Walter just pushes him off the edge. You know, like, there's so many different ways that it's like, regardless, like, Jake probably will die. And if i follow the logic of you know i'm i shouldn't say this but i feel like it probably would be pretty accurate for steven um the logic of like doctor who time always corrects itself if something's supposed to happen it'll happen
0: there are fixed points yes Mm -hmm. and that's that's not just a doctor who thing that is a time travel thing yeah in in pretty much all
1: doctor who's just the first one my biggest time travel experience
0: right but in in every time travel thing that i've ever read or watched or anything there there are fixed points that cannot change right and,
1: and i would be like this time stop explanation is a fixed point that cannot, cannot change. change this has to happen and i think that's even the point why uh you know i think we missed it a little bit earlier but um he says uh roland you never learn like yes, you, you gotta does. like pick up on this dude like come on and uh man I wish I could find exactly what he said because it was so important no
0: but that's that's what he said he's like Roland you never learn
1: he's like how many times do we have to do this and so it's whether he is talking about uh, just Martin out tricking outsmarting him and tricking him and accidentally forcing him to sacrifice more people in his life or he's talking about my time loop theory it is not the first time they've had this conversation right and whether it be this exact conversation or a semblance of this conversation it's happened before and the fact that roland doesn't remember anything like almost immediately makes it pretty easy to like realize that he probably had this conversation and forgot it or like you know maybe it wasn't this exact conversation but he maybe he caught the dark man in the desert at one point and the dark man was like you got to get to the tower roland keep following me mm-hmm. um so he pretty much says you got this uh and uh, he says all right i'm going to leave now my part is done you have everything mm-hmm. that you need to know um, where it doesn't wrap itself, so you still are wearing the chain is still in your hands where it doesn't wrap itself around your neck, right? Um, you know, chain of destiny and fate, it's a very common like metaphor symbolical mm-hmm. thing. Yep. So you know you've now, up to this point, you were just following the chain at your feet and you were just kind of like going along it. But now you not only have the chain, you've picked it up. It's in your hands. It's in you have your complete hands. You control can, over right. it. Yes. Are you, you going can... to wrap it around your neck and kill yourself? Or are you going to keep following it? Right. Um, and it's, I just think that's really good symbolism. I liked it a lot. Um, and Roland says, you have one more thing to say, right? And he's compelled by something outside of himself. Almost like it's a, uh, a ritual. Almost like mm-hmm. they've done this before. Almost like there's just something to say at the end of it. And he says, oh, yeah, you're right. Let there be light. And there was light. And this time the light was good. Right. Um, maybe God is evil in this. That'd be really interesting, I mean, right? And like Legion is the good guy. If Randy Flag ends up being the good guy throughout <laughs> this, I will lose my mind. Um, the spell goes away. Time starts. Roland wakes up. And, you know, essentially it feels like uh, it's been a dream this whole time. You know, right. you get that vibe. Um Roland wakes up and he finds himself 10 years older. His hair is starting to gray. His lines are deeper. His skin is rougher. And he remembers a lot of what he said, but he doesn't remember any things. Right. Um, and uh, I don't know how to take this. It's going to be, it's really interesting if time stop for 10 years. Right. It's super interesting because like Jake survives. He's like 21 now, you know? Uh, anybody that survived in Tull is like ten years older. Zoltan's ten years older. Mm-hmm. Brown's ten years older. This, like everything that we've done so far is ten years older now. And the Gunslinger essentially disappeared for ten years. Right. Which is super and the like. Right. Yeah. And so it's like okay, that him just emerging from the mountains like this is going to be like some like really cool moment. I feel. Especially after, you know, we have that message from court that's like, wait, just don't do anything. Like, let your legend spread. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he killed this entire town, went up, met the dark man on the mountains, and then the dark man wasn't there anymore.
0: Right. Well, I mean, he says he reached towards the remains of his companion of the night before, if it was indeed the remains of Walter.
1: And uh, he takes the grinning jawbone and Mm -hmm. jams it in his pocket. To replace the one that he'd lost under the mountains. Um, How many lies did you tell me, he asked. Many, he was sure. But then he says that there's a good amount of truth mixed in with it. The tower, somewhere ahead, it waited for him. The nexus of time. The nexus of size. I want you to know that I couldn't care less about the nexus of time. The <laughs> nexus of size is the coolest concept I've ever heard of before. It like literally made me, my jaw dropped. I thought that was so cool. Like the idea that like there's a tower that like if you go into it, you can go down to minuscule atom size or you can grow to like the size of seeing universes being created. What?
0: That's awesome. Oh, yeah. oh my God, it's, it's such a, it's a cool a idea. crazy concept and yes, yeah, it's it was awesome. amazing.
1: And so, um, you know, he he began back west again his back set against the sunrise heading toward the ocean realizing that a great passage of his life had come and gone I loved you Jake he said aloud yep like I said earlier that one line that is the entire that is all of the character development of this entire book in that one sentence Mm -hmm. he realizes that there was maybe a chance that he didn't have to kill Jake I think in that moment yeah there's the smallest little like inkling in the back of his head that's like I wonder what would have happened if I saved him right um, and he sets off. And, uh, you know, it, the way that it ends, it really seems, you know, there's a picture in the uh, 80s version that is just Roland sitting on the beach looking at the tower. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the vibe you get here. You know? Yes. He finishes going west and he's just sitting on the beach waiting for the drawing now. He doesn't yeah. know what to do next. He quite literally is just sitting on the beach like, okay, do I just start drawing pictures in the sand then?
0: Yeah. Well, and the dark t- came down and the world moved on. The gunslinger waited for the time of the drawing and dreamed his long dreams of the Dark Tower, to which he would someday come at dusk and approach, winding his horn to do some unimaginable final battle. And
1: that's the end of the gunslinger. The Dark Tower won. Um, the horn part's really interesting because we know the horn of Chain is already gone and lost. So he's got to find that horn again. Um, which means that, like, he's probably going to time travel back to Gilead and, like, see all of these people is what I'd guess. And, like, you know, that's why it disappears in the first place is because Roland goes back in time and gets it. Um, that's just, you know, that's kind of a, a big time. Should I do theories for the whole thing or should I do theories for the next book?
0: Do theories for the next
1: book. Okay. Drawing of the three. Um, I have seen the cover art for it, so I feel like I should preface that. And I know the cover art's got, like, these three doorways on it. Um, So I feel like the drawing is going to be him maybe drawing the doors out of nothingness, or drawing and manifesting like portals, or drawing something like that. Um, I don't think it's going to be like, uh, I don't know what it could be other than that, to be honest. I really feel like it's going to be him having something to do with him and these doorways. Um, And especially him finding the unfound doorways, you know, that the succubus mentions. And I think that's one thing that the succubus does, is she mentions... The thing that the succubus does that the man in black never does is she always gives him a way out. She's like, yes, this is what you have to do. But you could always just do this instead. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're talking to the man in black, it is absolute. This is what you have to do. There is no other choice. Right. Where so the fact that, you know, the nature body, the spirits, the succubus is giving him the almost, you know, the fake, the facsimile of free will.
0: Well, the succubus gives him that information before Jake is sacrificed.
1: Yeah. And she, after
0: after Jake is gone is when he catches up with the dark man. There's not a way out now because mm-hmm. his way out was Jake.
1: Yeah. Jake and I think that that's the thing too is, you know, if the reason that Jake is his way out is because if he stops and he goes back and he just starts training Jake and caring for Jake and taking care of Jake, he's not questing for the dark tower anymore. His quest changed to Take care of Jake. Right. You know, to raise this kid that he found is basically his son now. And he, I mean, we all know he chooses not to. And I think that, like, the way that Steve puts those flashbacks in the order that he does is what makes that decision never seem out of character or out of place. Yes, this is a heroic man who is doing these things to save people. And, you know, when he sees some a woman being beat, he wants to immediately turn and start to, like, help her. And when he sees children about to be murdered, he does whatever he can to save those children. But... As long
0: as it doesn't get in the way of his quest. Of what he wants. Right.
1: Yep. If at any point, you know, his father would have been like, hey, like, I'm cool with, like, what's happening with them. Like, I want them to keep having sex. His he would have just been like no dad that's not how life works black and white they're wrong I'm gonna kill him now right Um, and I think that that's kind of the character that we're setting up for for change is when is it okay to let your morals lapse a little bit for the health and care of someone else right is it ever okay when would it be okay what are those conditions and I think that like. It's really interesting to see such a stoic, repressed character do making those decisions. Roland is so one of the most repressed characters I've ever read about. Yeah, he refuses to accept any emotion existing in his body whatsoever. He pushed them down so far that I'm worried about him as a person a little <laughs> right? bit. Like the moment that like
0: man, you should talk to somebody. About there's gonna that. be like that one like
1: way too sad thing that gets to him, and he's just not gonna be okay for a couple of weeks. And I think it's you know. There's been so many bad things at this point that have happened to him that he just doesn't think that it's possible, and I think that when it does happen and it surprises him, that's going to be like that. That's going to be the catalyst for change, is when that thing that he doesn't expect changes his life. You know, Jake was close. Mm-hmm. Like the Dark Jake Man said, close. you know, he. I saw how close you were there at the end of that one, but you know, it didn't change. You know, you still not
0: quite. <laughs> we're getting there,
1: and you know. Maybe it is all about... Uh, it's a big metaphor for you know a, a human man's journey to heaven. As you are born and as you go through your desert of childhood and into the forest of ch- uh, teenager years and climbing up that into the adulthood of your mountain, you're constantly being faced with distractions and you're constantly being faced with tests to see if you are a good person or a bad person. And the way that it's written through here uh, makes me feel that Stephen is trying to say that no person is the way of all of the things that happens to them. You are a person individually because of who you are and like what you want and what you are trying to achieve Mm -hmm. just because bad things happen to you or because you do bad things doesn't mean that you are a bad person. Right. Um, And, you know, maybe there's a little bit of, you know, I can imagine at 19, you feel like you've made a mistake that's so, I mean, I can imagine at 28 right now in my life that I've made a mistake that's so irreparable that I'll never be able to fix that situation or talk to that person ever again. Um, So I can imagine that at 19, reading the principles of stoicism and having that same type of feeling, you know, it ends up in this metaphor for growing and resisting the temptations and distractions of achieving what you really want in life. I think that's another thing too. You know, is you know, young Stephen King's dreams probably to be a writer. He wants to be a, a oh, world yeah, yeah. class hey, writer.
0: Absolutely wants to be a writer.
1: He sees the Dark Tower. You know, that's him in a writing career.
0: Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, his quest he's, to the tower is quest to the tower, and
1: and along the way there's cocaine and there's alcohol and there's girls and there's college and there's video games and, and
0: well, I don't think there are video games. Arcade cabinets in the seventies? Uh, yeah, but you know, I've seen but some he movies. had three kids, man. In the seventies? I mean, yeah.
1: Jesus, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. He had his first kid when he was like 1920?
0: Yeah, his first kid was born in, well, he was 23 because his yeah. first kid was born in 1970. Man. So, yeah, I mean, he that's... had three ki- He was busy.
1: Yeah, he okay, busy. maybe no video games then. Yeah, I, but I mean. But that's another thing. Yeah, uh, Jake is literally then a distraction. Yes. Like that was born to separate him from his quest from the Dark Tower. So, of course, like Stephen King, you know, you love that child. <laughs> you love it so much. But for the first five years, you're taking care of a newborn. You can't continue well, on that, your quest and, to like your life.
0: But also it that child gives you a reason to go on. Because you have to get to your goal in, in, in order to provide something better.
1: You know, and at the end of the day, like. We don't know what Roland wants to get to the tower for. Right. You know, that is still something that is not talked no, to us about. It's not. We just we know don't know that
0: why that's his quest. That's we just, just know his, that that's quest his quest and his mm-hmm.
1: desire. And for some reason, it is tied to the fall of Gilead and the matricide and his father's death.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like all of that is just put together for some reasons. So, you know, you can usually, the nexus of time and size. You can, I, like, that's why my first thought is like, he's trying to bring everyone back to life. You know, he's trying to not be the last gunslinger, even though he's not. He just doesn't realize it yet. And it's...
2: Yeah. It's just good. There you go.
1: I really like this book a lot. Yep. Um we do have so, to rate it real quick. Do some ratings. Let's do some ratings. Uh, let's just do this. Plot 10, writing 10, it factor 10. This is my favorite book so far. Easily. I think I honestly will be very surprised if anything beats this. This is like me reading the first Harry Potter book for the first time again. It's amazing.
0: I'm super excited to hear that cuz this is also, write this down, in my top 5 favorite books.
1: Okay, this is So now wa- we
0: have two <laughs> in my top 5. Oh, and and pencil. I read this through So the first time I read this in was in the late 80s. I think the second book was just getting ready to come out when I read this book. I saw the next one was coming. I'm like, oh, I have to read that so that I can be ready for that one Um, because I was already pretty invested in in the Stephen King universe at that point. So um, it was fundamental in my my, my Stephen King universe. It, right. it is it is a key to that for me. And knowing now what I didn't necessarily know then about all of the things touching it and going back and seeing all of the, the touch points through all of the other novels. Is there a lot, lot of moments this... that
1: are mentioned in The Gunslinger that are like touch points for other novels? Is there any? No...
0: But there are other novels that touch this. It doesn't.
1: Like through the looking glass or like whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And so and, and as we get further along in this, you'll go, oh, yeah, that that's what she and and so looking at it through that, this is.
1: Well, I mean, if you look at it, too, like, yes, Carrie is the first thing that is published. But objectively, this seems to be like, you know, I this think was written before Carrie. Rage before. is the first thing he wrote you know, the Bachman book, Rage, uh, from what I understand.
0: He, he wrote actually, that when he was like
1: 16 or 17. Yeah,
0: but he started writing when he was really young, and he started submitting short stories to magazines when he was in his early teens.
1: The biggest thing that I'm saying, though, is that when he was 19 is when he started this. Yes. When he was 19 is when he had the idea for Legion, The Tower, Randy Flagg, Walter Odim, you know, The Gunslinger, this entire right. and, world. And
0: so all... All of his world comes back to this this. right
1: after. And especially like, you know, this is this is his nexus. Mm -hmm. The Dark Towers. And
0: so it's it's tens across the board for me is
1: the next book. We're going to meet the heroin addict. We're going to meet the lady in the wheelchair. Roland is going to learn how to draw. And I think drawing is going to be him learning how to open portals into other worlds. I think he's going to finally get into another world. I think we're going to meet those people. And I don't think we're going to see the man in black at all in the next book. I think that'll be the like weirdest thing is that it'll just be Roland trying to really remember and figure out what any of that meant. Um, And that's what I have for you. There you go. Thank you for listening. This has been First Time Through. I'm your host, Otto Mullins.
0: And I'm Kim Payne.
1: We hope you enjoyed your first time through. Otto, Kim, that was incredibly interesting. Great job today. If you would like to support First Time Through, you can follow us on Facebook, like us on Twitter, or send us an email at firsttimethroughpodcast at gmail.com. You can also become one of our patrons at patreon.com firsttimethrough to get exclusive early access, to get exclusive videos, and to become our exclusive friends. If that's interested to you. I'm interested.
0: First Time Through... New Eyes on Castle Rock is produced by Empty Theater Productions, was created by Kim Payne and Otto Mullins, editing by Otto Mullins, music by Jason Rager, art by Kurt Payne at Who Knew Art.